0: This is a Soul Fire Production. What is up, everybody? Welcome to episode number one of Thought Criminals with my good friend, Liam DeBoer. Oh, man... You know, this episode and the whole podcast, I guess, was supposed to drop about three weeks ago, but Vladimir Putin had other plans, baby, and that pushed everything back just a little bit. But we're here now. We are here now. Now, Liam and I, both of us have a passion for narrative structure. And quality movies and television, so we do dive into that quite a bit. Uh, much of that conversation exists within the Marvel Cinematic uh, Multiverse, and you kind know, of good things, bad things, what what worked, what didn't work. We do discuss representation in movies, how it's been done well, how, how it's been done poorly. Um, it was a really fun conversation, and it was really good to dive into that and then look at the correlates between that and the broader narratives that exist within our waking consciousness. Um, so. We have a great time, and I'm really glad that you're here. Now, I am letting you know that this show and this podcast launched a little little bit late because of the looming World War III, but I also want to let you know that everybody in the Patreon got this show right after it was recorded and edited. Right after it was done, they got it. Every show for this podcast, this other branch of the Politically Homeless Network that is turning into the podcast equivalent of the marvel, marvel cinematic cinematic multiverse um all of those shows all of these shows will be will be will be released in the patreon right after they're edited raw no intro just going for it because that's what the people in the patreon deserve and that's what they pay for that's how the world works we live in a world of commerce and markets and i want to pr- participate in that if nancy pelosi can insider trade then i can just Make money from podcasting. Why the fuck not? You know what I mean? You know what I mean? So you can go to patreon.com slash politically homeless to join in. You'll also get ad-free episodes of politically homeless. Now these first few episodes won't have any ads. We're just rolling raw. But going forward, there will be because again, cash rolls everything around me. Guys, I'm really glad you're here. I'm really grateful you're here. I've been podcasting for a long time and Like Liam and myself, we really just got kind of fucked by COVID and had to kind of figure out some new things, but I'm really grateful that my life took this turn, and one thing I really missed about the podcast in the old days was just conversations and interviews and these kind of things, so that's what we're doing here, that's what this is about, I want to have conversations that are across the broad spectrum, but but people that are kind of, that, that are thinkers outside of the mainstream, um, I think that's really fun. I think it's going to be really wild to get some crazy-ass people on here and just have some fun discussions and and take a lighthearted but but productive approach to <sighs> tackling the world that we live in today. It's a really strange time to be alive. You know, I think there's a handful of times in our reality that are as weird as this one is, especially in any kind of history that that even somewhat resembles our time. You know, I think if you were, you know, experiencing human sacrifice in the Aztec uh, in Aztec, Mexico. Like that might've been, that might've been also a weird time, right? There's other weird times in history. I don't know if this is the best time in history. Joe Rogan loves to say that this is the best time that ever has been. I can't confirm that because I have not lived in every time that I know of. Now, maybe my soul has some more stories that I just haven't tapped into yet because I haven't done enough psychedelics. Maybe that's possible, but I digress. This is a strange time to be alive. And I think, For me, even personally, having these kind of conversations is really fun. So we've got Liam, we've got my buddy Sal, we've got my friend Taylor, we're going to talk about just just all the goodness, all the craziness, all the wildness, and maybe just maybe we'll get into some psychology, maybe we'll get into some personal development. Who fucking knows where this will go? That's why it has such a broad name, Thought Criminals. So welcome to to Thought Criminals, welcome to this new um, outlet, and I really, really hope you enjoy it. Now, without any further ado, as all podcasters say at the end of their intros, let's get into this fucking episode with Liam DeBoer. Enjoy. All right, Liam, dude, nice to uh, get as close to real life as we're going to get in this uh, in our current climate, especially because you're in Canada.
1: Yeah. No, I can't uh, cross any borders at the moment, that's for sure. <laughs> no.
0: Well, if you go to Mexico, you can come right across. As soon as I can,
1: or I should say... Yeah, I should say if I can, I'll I'll definitely be down. Uh, down that way soon. I uh, I want to make. I want to do a road trip across America again. It's been uh, or sorry, not again, but a road trip across America. I've been to. I've been to like a bunch of different uh corners of America, but never like done an actual trip through. I want to do. I want to do like down and around. Yeah, driving
0: through the states is really really fun. Yeah, there's some really, especially out west, it's, it's really gorgeous you drive through there and the rock formations it's it is a really impressive state i mean in, i mean I, I i'm partial to mountains uh more so than the beach but like that coastline in california like driving the pch is is such a such a beautiful drive it like never gets old it's so and it depends on what seasons too like which depends on when you want to go
1: yeah like it like west coast canada is very similar to west coast california sorry west coast america for that but like yeah the mountain ranges all that kind of stuff even even west coast canada i haven't been out there since like grade seven eight it's been it's been a while but yeah no definitely uh definitely want to make my way back i got to uh yeah i definitely have to check out texas new or- uh new orleans i don't want to get roasted i got roasted for saying new orleans uh <laughs> like but uh yeah Te- yeah i was i was like that's a weird thing to get upset about
0: yeah people get up in arms
1: yeah, New Orleans, Texas, Nevada. Those are like those three, and then just kind of hit hit the side states and do a big circle as I go. But yeah,
0: no, yeah, that'd be fun, man. It's, you being freelancing, that, that that makes a ton of sense. I mean, I, when I was a kid, I went to uh, New Orleans when I was oh, man, I was probably seven or eight, and my dad taught me how to say it like a Cajun. It's <laughs> <was> like Nolens. <laughs> <laughs> so no, I, was, <laughs> I was I was cruising around as a little white kid. It's like seven years old saying Nolens.
1: <laughs> Wait, are are Louisianans just like like the equivalent of uh new uh the east coast canadians it's like it's like the trailer park like have you ever seen have americans ever heard of trailer park boys i've heard of Trailer. Le- park okay park letter yeah letter is a little bit more like ontario so where i'm from like it makes fun of like ontario like farmers like kind of like that that yeah that group growing up oh man that's a very uh very common stereotype here for sure like the letter kenny guys are they, i know a bunch of people that are exactly like that.
0: That's what's great about Letterkenny is it seems, it seems accurate because that seems like Texas guys. Texas and Ontario, I think, are very similar. Just no
1: hockey. No, no, yeah, no, it's no. football shelf. instead of hockey. That's, pretty, that's, <laughs> that's, that's just sub okay, it. It's football in, instead get, of hockey.
0: And it gets colder up there. But yeah, it's, it's, it's wild, man. There's those Canadian stereotypes are super funny. But my experience with Canada was like Toronto and Banff. So I've only seen like amazing part. I mean, when I went to Toronto, I was like, this is a way like a Ray cleaner version of New York. And I think New York is a pile of trash that smells like piss and is like overcrowded (laughs) and and loud. But you go to Toronto, it's like, Oh, this is great. This is awesome. And then Banff is of course, one of the most beautiful places on the planet. But it seems like you guys have lost your fucking minds. And I don't know what's going yeah, on up there. It seems like it's like Australia to the north at this point. And, and those are two of, my, two of my favorite places I've ever, or I've, I've always wanted to go to, almost, almost moved to Australia when I was like 18 years old to work on a fishing boat. Like I was just going to go, you know, wild and just go do something weird. And my uh, experience with Canada, like I've, lo- I've really had a lot of like love for these places. And then all of a sudden you end up realizing that, hey, maybe they should have kept their guns. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know what else to tell you. Like this is weird, man.
1: Yeah, man. Uh... Yeah, it it's it's very strange what's happening. Although we do have our own little uh Florida of the North, uh Saskatchewan out in the middle of fucking nowhere with nobody living in it. Uh they're pri- or, sorry, they're uh their uh, leader is is saying that yeah he's not going to enact any uh any further restrictions for uh Omicron and stuff which is which is great but uh, unfortunately it's not as a desirable uh, place to live in as Florida so I don't think too many Canadians are going to be all of a sudden immigrating to the uh, the middle of the prairies
0: yeah I mean it's nice that you guys have, nice to hear you have a Ron DeSantis of of Canada. <laughs> what is, what is like the, what is going, like, what are people feeling up there? Cause I've had a, I mean, of course I have a confirmation bias of people that reach out to me from Canada. They're like, man, this is, this Mm -hmm. is fucked. This is crazy. But then you hear people from Australia kind of defending the situation. And I, I, you know, Americans are, are, are Americans, right? We like, we have this, we value this individualism. That's kind of a part of our culture. Um, And we also like to project that on the rest of the world, even when it doesn't fit uh, at all. (laughs) We see that we saw that in the middle East for 20 years. It's, it, 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 Brings about its a fair share of like fuckery, but um, but I look at that and I try to like say, okay, I don't under, like for example with what's going on with the Ukraine. That's kind of a weird segue, but I look at that and I'm like, what? You, my first question is not what is wrong with Russia. Vladimir Putin's a dictator. All this other stuff. I'm like, what do people in Ukraine want? Like, do they want to be annexed by the Russians? How many of them do they? Can they vote on it? Like. That's what I think first. So when I look at Canada and Australia, especially, I'm like, what do people want there?
1: Before I forget, have you seen Winter on Fire on Netflix? No. Fucking fantastic documentary. Go. Uh, it's 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 about the Ukraine uh, protests in 2016, where they were uh, essentially the Ukrainian government uh, said that they don't uh, they didn't put through a bill to bring uh, free trade to Ukraine. And they, they had promised the citizens they would. And then when they didn't, the citizens started protesting and it was all peaceful and stuff. But then the cops, once the protest got big enough, the cops just kind of came in and started fucking shit up. <laughs> and uh, and it turned out pretty much into a full on war. And it's wow. fucking nuts. And it's just ground on. It, it's just boots on the ground footage. And like you're watching citizens get shot by the cops and stuff. And you, it, it's fucking crazy. Wow. But it's like, yeah, it's like war zone footage of a Ukrainian protest for. Yeah. And it is it, wild. But yeah, definitely. Uh, let's just say they don't want to be annexed by Russia.
0: <laughs> yeah. I mean, but then, then but then Russian moved a lot of people into different parts of the country. So there's a lot of Russian nationalism there. It's just, it's a weird, it's a weird deal. And I don't, you know, in the United States, it's like, we're not going to expand NATO any further East, but here we are. So United States kind of reneged on its whole situation, but long story, a long way around to get back to like, what to, what did Canada's, Canadians, Canadians, Canadians feel right now. Like what is, is it, what is, what percentage, I can say like probably 35% of Americans right now are just like adamantly opposed to what's going on. Right. And I'd say probably 70% mm-hmm. are just over it, but I don't know what's going on North of the border. Right? I know the truck, the trucker thing is basically a media blackout and that's a huge deal. But other than that, I don't know much.
1: Any any coverage it is getting, they're saying that they're protesting road conditions and unsafe. Like, who the fuck protests road conditions? Like, what, what? you expect the government to be like? Okay, we are going to make it stop snowing. Like, <laughs> unless we're going to believe that the whole like that Jews actually do control the weather. Like, this is impossible. So it's
0: like the space lasers, bro. The space lasers.
1: Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, no, it's 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 hard to say. Um, at the beginning of the pandemic, obviously. I don't know what what thoughts were like in, in Canada, but even I was on board with all the mandates off the hop. I was just like, yeah, like we we have no fucking idea what's go- what what this thing is. Like, yeah, let's let's take all the necessary precautions. I mean, at that time, I was looking at the footage rolling out of Italy and stuff, and like I actually had some uh, had a friend in Italy, and uh, and they were like, yeah, dude, this is like fucking crazy. That's when they were like essentially bringing in uh, military convoys to take out all the um, old people who had passed away, and so I was looking at that, going like, oh fuck. And then like most of the people that got fed up with it, it was around that like three or four months range when we started getting data and just going like, okay, this isn't, you know, we're, we're going a little bit insane. And then on this third lockdown, when they enacted, uh, lockdowns again, that's when I felt the general shift in public perception of what's going on. And, uh, even it's at the point now where like, um, people, somebody in my family, uh, was, was a nurse, uh, for, for 20 plus years. And, uh, she has even mentioned, you know, she was on board with everything off the hop. And even she's starting to say like, you know, this, this isn't adding up like, like it took her a long time to come around, but even she's, she's turning around on it. So general consensus, I'd say Canadians are not too chill about what's happening. Um, I think it's just a lot more of, Kind of people being afraid to oppose it, so it's like I'm just gonna sit here quietly and uh, it, and feel uncomfortable about it all, but I'm not yet ready to speak up. Where I feel like mm. in America, maybe uh, like people are a little bit more willing to just kind of scream freedom. <laughs> um, but yeah, we don't really have that counterculture here. Like, yeah, I that's mean, I don't what know. is actually very interesting to me about Canada and the states' relationship from that point of view is like we don't have that like we just have the very far left culture like four out of five of our political parties including our conservative party is borderline more left than your democrats so it's like we don't yeah we don't have that like yeah that republican culture here to combat any crazy left wing ideas i'm not saying that there isn't crazy ideas on 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 that other side as well but it's like there isn't any balance so it's like everything just goes that direction but yeah, no, generally, I'd say I'd say people aren't too stoked about what's happening at this point. I mean, it doesn't make any fucking sense We're we're under more like this is the most strict lockdowns we've essentially had. Like we do. We have a fucking vax mandate, but nowhere to go with it. Like or like a vax passport, but we can't even go anywhere to use it. Like what?
0: And it's it's it is strange. And I think more people are getting just like frustrated and fed up because there's, it's like, dude, you can get the vaccine. You can do what you want. And then it's like, well, now we can't do that again. And it's just outside of the conspiratorial stuff. And you know, I don't, I don't think our counterculture does itself any favors. Like I don't think that Marjorie Taylor green is going to be someone who really like speaks to the masses. You know what I mean? Or Ted Cruz for that matter. I mean, even mm-hmm. it's, it's it, but it's polluted our minds so much that I, I'm honestly fucking tired of talking about it. Like I have so, I don't like doing, mm-hmm. sometimes I'll do a show and I'm like, this is just all COVID stuff, but it's the only thing that's coming up knowing there's like more stuff going on. That's more, that to me is more important, but it's where people are at, you know, and it's, and and when it comes to social media stuff, it's, that's, that's what people want to hear about and want to learn about and want to see, and they want to chime in, but then that creates its own little echo chamber of itself. So it's, it's so hard and I do my best to like, try to not be in this like echo chamber. And that's why I still consider myself like on the left, left of center. And I am in many things, but the way I get portrayed now is as a right-wing alt-right extremist even though I was advocating for single-payer single-payer, single-payer health care like two years ago you know I was like an avid Bernie supporter you know it's like I'm like what in, in what world am I on the right like that's just not that's not a thing you know like I like guns like that's you know what I mean it's just it's just we, it's this weird thing and there's this like strange polarization and now it's, it's it's okay for you know like someone like Don Lemon to call a third of the country idiots but then they criticized Trump for who I didn't like either for the same thing. Like it just doesn't, none of this stuff logically adds up. And if you have any kind of like gift of objectivity, you can look and say, this is just a strange situation. And someone like me who had a really um, strong, interest in pharmaceutical drugs and corruption and regulatory capture as a 20 year old. So like 14, 15 years ago, I was looking into this stuff and writing, you know, speeches and papers and things like that in my health and management classes in college about regulatory capture, right? How McDonald's influences the FDA guidelines. (laughs) Like this is, these are things, and it was more about like fast food and obesity and things like that when I was, I was younger, but the, 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 kind of cognitive display is the same, right? Like regulatory capture, regulatory capture. There's a reason the EPA is kind of run by big oil. And there's a reason that the FDA is kind of run by pharmaceutical company. It just and that that's what it is. And of mm-hmm. course, that's under the guise of this kind of like free market lie, which is and that, it, it can, mm-hmm. it kind of plays counter to a free market e- economy. But noticing that stuff and acknowledging that stuff used to put me on the left and now, as long as it's anything else besides big pharma still puts me on the left. But if you're doing it with big pharma now, who was the villain three years ago, right? The Sackler family and opioids and all this other stuff now, but in this one little piece of our reality that seems to not exist, or we have to pretend that it doesn't exist anymore. And I don't think that there's microchips in, and I hate when people will say that shit about, it's like, they call me like a conspiracy theorist. Cause I think that, like, well, you think Bill Gates is going, is putting a microchip in you to track you. I'm like, I have an iPhone. Like this tracks me. I have this with me all the time. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> like, like, I use it to track myself when I'm in the woods.
1: That's where that's where I go, like, and, and it's funny because I, I was really worried that when I started talking about this stuff online, I was going to attract, like, a heavily right-wing crowd. Uh, but if there has been a crowd that I've attracted, it's been conspiracy theorists, probably, uh, <laughs> just for speaking out against the mandates. I mean, they'll, they'll champion anybody that's willing to, like, willing to talk out about the mandates and stuff. But, yeah, like, I'll, I'll post a video, like, ripping biden for like or just roasting biden for like saying president harris multiple times over and over <laughs> again and then like people will people will message me and be like dude you know he's a hologram right like he's he's not even real anymore like dude some guy said some somebody sent me a picture and was like look at his ears his his ears are clearly different than 10 years ago i'm like when did, have you looked at your grandma's earlobes like her like every fucking old person's earlobes droop my wife and I have a have a have a,
0: a conspiracy theory, but a theory. Um, what is that? Pretty Little Lies or Liars or something like that. One of those shows that Nicole Kidman's in. Nicole, Nicole Kidman is a great actress, like eyes wide shut, like iconic, right? But she's gotten a shit ton of facelifts, mm-hmm. and so her ears and the side of her head look different because that's where they pull your skin. So Joe Biden looks different mm-hmm. than he used to because he got hair plugs and facelifts. So is your ears look different when you have, it's like, that's easily explained away. Like, do you think this guy's a hologram? Same thing. Like I had a vertigo last week. It like put me on my ass for like three days. I was really messed up. And I was like, Hey, does anybody know what's going on? And my audience is really good. And it it turned out to be an inner ear thing probably, or maybe a cervical spine thing, which makes sense because nerves and brain and vertigo and balance. Uh, But I got a lot of these like, well, it's the chemtrails that are spreading aluminum into this air so that they can transmit for the weather control device. And that's why Colorado had hundred mile an hour winds, last, you know, last month and the wildfires because of the harp system. And I was like, I spend time in the, in the back country of Colorado, like a lot of time. Okay. I've seen trees that are big, a bigger around than me blown in half. Like high winds are not a familiar are not an unfamiliar thing to the American West. You know what I mean? Neither are fires. Right, like I would say, we'd probably need more fires because I spend a lot of time in the woods, as I've just said. And there's a lot of stuff that needs to burn. Like it's good, it's but we stop it from happening, so therefore it builds up, and then you have these like tinder boxes. It's like why cannot the most reasonable thing be be the right, be the thing you believe? That's the whole thing with the QAnon thing. It was so funny to see the CIA clearly manipulating a large group of people to undermine a movement, like them just falling for it the whole time. I was like, what happened? What happened with the CIA and QAnon? Well, I mean, that's my, that's my theory, right? Is that the whole thing okay. was a PSYOP. Yeah. So you bundle in like some truth, which there was some stuff in there that's like undeniably true. There's some, a lot of questions about 9-11 still floating around, but I'm like, this is weird. Mm-hmm. Right. And there's a lot of questions about all kinds of stuff, right? Agenda 2020 or 2030, like the great reset. There's a lot of stuff in there, but you bundle that with a bunch of kooky, weird nonsense that makes absolutely no sense. And you discredit all of it, which is classic CIA PSYOP stuff. And the CIA is really good at that. Like they can sow discourse in a country present, pre, you know, present stability in the form of a dictator. And then all of a sudden you have a coup easy. It's like, they've done it 60 or 70 times. Like that's what C, the CIA was made yeah, to man. do. So it's like, this isn't, it's been just turned on us domestically. In that, my opinion, I think when I see like something happened, I'm like, what are the odds? It was the FBI or the CIA come to find out, you know, kidnapping the governor of Michigan FBI, <laughs> like more than half the people in the plan were FBI agents.
1: And at least, like at the very least, it's like may, okay, maybe I'll give them the benefit of the doubt. Maybe they didn't orchestrate this thing from ground zero and said like, okay, this is this is first step, second step, third step, fourth step, maybe tenth step of this plan happening. It's like they they caught wind, they had their people in it or whatever, and it's like, all right, let's let it happen. We'll we'll bust it at the last possible moment so it looks the best and we yeah. get a budget raise for next year. Like, that's the low end of the stick. I mean, the the worst end is yeah. like. They're doing it on purpose but it's like yeah these things aren't out of the question i mean like to me what's crazy is when people completely write those concepts off and it's like we look through history you can re- you can pick up any book in history or sorry any any book talking about governments in history and whether they were on the good side or the bad side no matter what they were engaging in like pro- propaganda They were engaging in uh, yeah psyop techniques. Like I mean, even the Canadian military just admitted that they were uh, they viewed the pandemic as an opportunity to test uh, propaganda techniques, aka psyops, on Canadian citizens. And it's like yeah, they just openly admit this stuff. And it's like yeah, what we we're not we're crazy for thinking about this, but where people people go too far with it, they start they start tossing stuff in there. Yeah, like you're saying, and and it is kind of one of those important things to be like all right, just because some stuff is a conspiracy doesn't mean all of it is. And that's yeah, where doesn't I am mean like, even something like 5G, I'm like, okay, I, I can buy into the fact that this has all these negative health benefits. I'm not buying into the fact they're doing it for that reason. I'm not buying into yes. the fact that they're bringing these things up to, to create these, these issues. I mean, we, we know this, like even, even stuff like um, Bluetooth headphones aren't good for you like having having uh, having an electromagnetic current run through literally run through your brain it's like this thing they aren't good but like okay are they being done to kill us or are they turning a blind eye to bad side effects to boost their products it's like yeah that's probably i mean we know that that's what happens in the pharmaceutical world we know that's what happens in the food industries it's like i don't i don't buy this whole like they're doing it on purpose thing i just think it's bad shit comes up and they just try to play it like it's not.
0: Yeah, which is the most logical explanation. And sometimes the least logical explanation is the right one, but not but most Mm -hmm. of the time like Occam's razor, right? Like this is just where we're at. And it it is, it's really strange to me, but I but I have fun playing with it. That's the thing is like I love Alex Jones. And that's a, with, the, with the censorship thing, right? Like I don't think Alex Jones is right about majority of things he says, but every now and then he'll bring up an article that I'm like, Ooh, I should go read that. And then I make my own mind up, but I don't mm-hmm. sit here and be like, well, Alex Jones is right about everything. And especially when he's like their demons and the, you know, the globalists and whatever Alex Jones is doing it's, but it's entertaining to watch. And then look at this now, right? Like it was like, Oh, well it's just Alex Jones, right? It's getting censored off YouTube and God knows what, all the other all the platforms, everything. It's just him. And then, Oh, well, it's just him and Milo Yolanopoulos, which Milo being off of whatever. he's 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 just an interesting, weird guy, but now he's irrelevant. like it worked, right. It- Alex still has InfoWars and Band.video and these other things, but whatever. But then it keeps going. Yeah, Alex Jones isn't going anywhere. Yeah, Alex Jones is there till the till the he's gonna scream it out till the end. But now it's like, okay, well, now you've got Neil Young, this fucking guy, being like, you have to choose between me and Joe Rogan on Spotify. And Spotify's like, uh, okay, that's an easy choice later, dude. Like,
1: yeah. I love how uh, yeah, I love how he thought that that was like a good ultimatum. It wasn't it was
0: one of the easiest I was like, um, that's that's fine, I guess. Like, whatever leave then. Okay. It's not like you're Taylor Swift. If Taylor Swift said that, then we might have a conversation. You know what I mean? Like that might be one of the only people on Spotify that gets the amount of streams that Rogan does.
1: Yeah. And I mean, all of Young's listeners are going to perish in the next 15 years. (laughs) So it's like, yeah, or, or, or you have Rogan who is literally what quadrupling the next highest media ratings. It's like, yeah, you're, they're not, Spotify's not letting that guy go anytime soon.
0: It was 11 times the, the primetime views of CNN, CNN primetime. They were like 800,000 and he's at 11 million. Wow. And then, but then you get like Robert Malone and those episodes, 40 million, 40
1: million listens. Yeah. And it's like, yeah, he's crushing them. And it's like, I guess this is, and this is where I, like I get where people start on, on the other, on say the, the pro corporate media side where it's just like, oh, like he shouldn't be having these people on there, this and that blah, blah, blah. And it's like, well, people want to listen to what these people have to say. So either give them the voice on your program and combat them with your good ideas or let them talk on this, this other platform, but you can't just try to silence everybody's opinion that isn't yours. And I mean, even somebody today sent me a clip of uh, Peterson, Jordan Peterson Uh talking about climate change. I guess I haven't listened to the full episode yet uh, that he just did on Rogan, but, he essentially said climate you know climate change uh the climate change crowd has a problem because climate is everything they say it's like this this big problem we need to solve climate is everything like how are we going to solve that we have while you're taking these very limited uh approaches to measuring what you claim to be a problem but it's everything and he sent me that and was trying to say like don't try to uh I don't want to hear any more defense of this guy in the future or something like that, like something of that notion. And I was like, essentially all he's saying here is that they're not going to succeed in their plan because they're trying to paint a big picture, looking through a keyhole. And it's like, that's not, that shouldn't be a controversial statement. Like he's not the rest of it. Like, I don't know what the fuck is happening with the climate. I don't, uh, I'm not, dude, I hardly know what's going on in my life. Like let alone (laughs) what's going on with the world's weather. Um, so like I have no fucking pull in that but I but I really don't like this whole like I mean not even the climate aspect but these topics I mean it's anything it's climate it's it's vaccines it's mask mandates it's what they're teaching in schools it's it like it becomes like a religion of sorts and as soon as you start asking questions about like you're questioning the faith um and it's just like at that point, as soon as you yeah raise a question, you're become a Satanist. And you're like, this is like religious shit. I'm like, yeah. what the fuck's happening here where you can't even critique the way that people are going about trying to solve a problem. It's like not even saying that that problem doesn't exist. You're just saying the, the way you're trying to deal with that isn't going to work. It's like, well, what the fuck? Like, how is that? How is that a crazy, like radical idea? That's not saying they don't care,
0: right? That's a, that's a totally different thing. Like yeah. I get frustrated with the climate change stuff too. And I've, I brought this up. It's like, I have more issues with plastic pollution than I do with climate change. And I feel like if you focus on plastic pollution first, right, let's solve that problem first. It's a huge problem mm-hmm. that also correlates with climate change, right? And a lot of the same, mm-hmm. it has a lot of the same inputs, but you can see plastic pollution, right? We can take a drone and fly it over the ocean and look at those big floating, like, basically like clouds in the water of, of single-use plastic. And it's a solvable problem. Yeah. It's a very solvable problem because we know that glass and paper don't have the same environmental impacts. And they're much in aluminum, for example, um, is infinitely recyclable. So instead of having bottles of water, put that shit in a can like liquid death does. I don't know if you've seen liquid death, yeah. but it's like it's like death to thirst and like death to single use plastic and all their stuff isn't like it's oh, water out of those a can. Ice coffees. No, no, it's water. Oh, crazy. Yeah. Once you realize it's water, it changes everything. I thought it was an energy drink for a long time that I started drinking them. And it's, it's the one, it's the only water that's ever knocked off Topo Chico in my life. Like I don't have, I I mostly just drink liquid death when I drink like sparkling water now, but I love that. And then there's, Mm. and that started a trend where now more companies are putting their water in a can, which makes so much more sense. Right. And of course there's going to be used for like you know, large scale, single use plastic in, in multi-use plastic that plastics aren't going away, but there's the things like, Hey, you know what? We're just going to change the market incentives here via government. And I think it's a role of government to do that and be like, there's going to be a single use uh, plastic tax. That's going to make it actually less affordable. So we're going to change your market incentives. Cause the only reason it happens now is because the oil and gas into interest they make, they make plastics out of shitty oil, like the, sh- the shitty oil that Trudeau is trying to get to come through the United States and that fucking pipeline that was going to create 50 jobs that everybody got up in arms about, right? That shitty plastic that was basically just going to go to Texas and then go to China to make plastic. Um, that whole thing, which growing up in the oil and gas industry, that whole controversy pissed me off so much. I'm like, you guys are all retarded. I'm tired of all of you. Shut up. No one knows what the fuck they're talking about.
1: In, in what sense did you grow up in the oil industry?
0: Uh, my granddad lit, grew up, he started working in oil industry when he, was 16, and he he worked uh, on a pulling rig and then he started running a pulling rig Then he bought a pulling rig. Then he started buying production. Like one of those like started from the bottom. Now we hear stories. He did, he only got a seventh grade education and became a millionaire. So like it was one of those deals, but uh, not like crazy money, but we had, uh, when oil was $150 a barrel, it doesn't really matter. Like if, you, if you're, you know, we had wells doing like three or four barrels a day, but that's like a thousand dollars a day. <laughs> you know what I mean? It was crazy. Um, so I, I worked with him growing up. Uh, we drilled a few wells. Um, so I just like learned a lot about that, but he was my go-to kind of resource for like, Hey, what do you think about this pipeline and this oil? He was like, America, the United States has enough oil to be energy independent. We have to frack it and fracking. Not all fracking is created equal. There's shallow fracking, deep fracking, horizontal fracking, vertical fracking, you know, <laughs> and everybody wants to make it a simple thing.
1: This is where I need guys like you. Cause I, I just deal with the bullshit. I'm like, as far as like the actual strategic stuff, I'm like, nah, I, 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 it's not that I don't care. I find it very interesting. I do actually find it very interesting. But uh, yeah, so like what is your take on energy moving forward? Because I mean, I again, I have zero fucking clue about any of this kind of stuff as, as far as like a practical sense. I mean, I I know the conversation that's happening, but yeah, the practicality of those options, I I have zero clue. But it's like, yeah, I hear I hear things like like being like okay why aren't we moving towards nuclear energy that is just kind of like this whole stigma around it because well the word nuclear is dirty because of the nuclear bomb that's a big thing and Chernobyl Chernobyl was a big part of that too Chernobyl Chernobyl and but I mean even even Chernobyl like that was a hundred percent from like shitty that is actually a scenario like I've looked into a a decent amount just because I'm obsessed with the Soviet Union but it's like that they cut corners in every safety measure while they were building chernobyl like mm. that wasn't a perfect nuclear plant that all of a sudden had this th- this random issue that couldn't have been foreseen coming it's like n- no they the the person in the uh control room uh was going against all of his staffers uh suggestions being like no no, no this isn't the right time to pull a safety protocol um and then also like They also, oh, that's what it was. They put graphite tips at the end of the control rods, which so whenever a nuclear reactor is essentially going crazy and starting to get to that point where it would become a problem and blow up, they throw these control rods in, which essentially neutralizes the power, and they used graphite at the tips of them to save save a few bucks, and that graphite acts as a detonator once you, uh, to an unstable nuclear core. So it's like, yeah, as soon as they, put the control rods to essentially shut this thing down, they actually detonated a nuclear bomb essentially. So it's like, these aren't issues with the process of nuclear power per se. It's about very shitty implementation. And actually there was a very cool, uh, I'm very into like this like sleep science stuff and just how important it is. And there was was an interesting article I was reading talking about how, a lot. I think it was like somewhere over seventy percent of the people working at Chernobyl were in, uh, extremely sleep uh, deprived. Mm-hmm. You'd have to fact check me on that exact number, but but sleep deprivation was definitely playing playing a part in Chernobyl. Like these guys were working like crazy hours, and of course you're not going to make good decisions when you're yeah deprived of sleep. It's like essentially like being drunk. In those so.
0: situations too, it's kind of like the Malaysian airlines fly, well, some flight, but it was like the culture there is like, you don't question authority. So whatever the boss says kind of goes. And that's a big part of it too. Mm-hmm. I think the, I think the, the, the HBO series, definitely did a really the Soviet good job.
1: Union, that was definitely a thing. Exactly. So it's like when you don't
0: have, you don't, you don't have a capitalist system running for like the best products in a, in a competitive market, which is a downfall of capitalism or communism, excuse me, obviously. And then, yeah, but also that's the same thing as being like, well, model T's uh, weren't that safe. So I'm just not going to drive a car anymore. Or my cell phone used to, my battery used to die on my Nokia brick phone in three hours. So that means cell phones are stupid. It's like, dude, we've come a long way. That was a long time ago. And there's places here, Like, I think, I think places like uh, Utah would be a good spot to put one, like out in the middle of fucking nowhere, like past Moab out there, like in, you know, where it's like, if something does go wrong, you've got protocols for that. I think there's a lot of learning that has to be done from all of that, but with, with energy in in general, nuclear, I think is a good idea. And this is what puts me like libertarians, like never shut up about nuclear but i think it's great it's 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 huge i think that electric cars are going to be a big part of it i don't think that i don't foresee any country going full electric by 2030 i think that's incredibly naive but what you're seeing now and this is one of the reasons i love tesla is because they're pushing the envelope right and now it's like, okay, now we think about fuel economy, right? So when I was growing up, I wanted a V8 and I would get like 12 miles to the gallon on a regular basis in my trucks. Like I wanted a big V8. I wanted to be loud and now, but I'm not a fucking 16 year old anymore. So now as I'm looking at new trucks- Can you put that
1: into leaders for me? uh,
0: (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) <laughs>
1: i can't actually no, i'm just kidding continue i'm just kidding
0: <laughs> um but uh so it's like you wanted these big block you know these big motors and now you know me and my friends are like try, we're having like pissing contests on who gets the best gas mileage right so i want to get rid of my forerunner that i have that gets 16 average and i want to buy a gmc a full-size gmc truck that i'm going to run on 35 inch tires right so i don't know how the uh, uh, 305s in y'all's world um Right, so a lifted gigantic truck, uh, and it's going to get thirty. It's you know actually
1: weird. We use inches. We like whenever we talk about those kind of dimensions, we use inches. Like we oh, don't it's talk. It, it's so weird. We use. So yeah, we use we use inches as far as like measurements, but then we go to like I mean nobody even really here talks in meters. Like nobody would say that's a, like that's six hundred meters away. It's like no, that's yeah, like nobody's nobody's using that. And then, um, what's the? I mean, any other ones? No, I think that's, I think those are the only ones where we where we can contradict ourselves in measurements, but yeah, no, it, it is weird, but yeah, I, it's, you guys it's, are definitely all, you guys are backwards on it all. We're only We should
0: on all that. be in the metric system and that's a huge mistake. <laughs> Let's <just> move on. <laughs> anyway, um, sorry, go on. Yeah. So I think, you know, like for example, the, the, the new GMC Sierra and the Chevy um, Trail Boss, right? These like higher end half ton, full size trucks, they're putting baby t- diesels in them. And these diesels are getting, mm-hmm. there's guys getting 40 miles an app, 40 miles a gallon out of a diesel pickup in a full-size truck. That's unheard. That's like P- Priuses didn't get that good a gas mileage when they came out, right? Mm-hmm. And now they're more expensive to fix, but they're moving on. Same thing with the new Toyota t- uh, Tundra. You can get a hybrid, so you get 700 miles out of a tank. You get 25 miles to the gallon. It's a twin-turbo V6 with, uh, with also with a, it's a hybrid, so you get a battery backup. Right, but we got to also keep in mind that making batteries isn't clean business either.
1: Uh, yeah, every time one of these cars gets scrapped too, or even like any electronic products, it's like it all ends up in the ocean or in some crazy landfill in a third world country. It's like yeah, it, it's it, like it, I that's where that's where to me when we talk about like all of these global initiatives, and I'm like, it's great, like i'm on board if we can fix these problems but like i just as soon as i hear like one solution talked about like just a million problems go off in my mind about just being like yeah but like okay we we switched to batteries great but like okay what are we going to do with all our old batteries like they're just yeah yeah, they're going to end up exactly where all of this shit is already ending up which then leaks chemicals
0: into god knows what and this whole thing happens it's a whole fucking mess i mean that's and that's the thing is you just gotta be honest like The fact, like electric cars are a win, I think. And I think Tesla did a good job with that and pushed the market forward. Now we're shifting into like, okay, who can make the truck with the best gas mileage, right? The full-size truck, which Mm. an SUV, same thing. It's gonna be all the same, right? Which is a lot of Americans drive those cars and they do have really atrocious emissions. And when I was growing up, getting 10 miles to the gallon was a pretty standard thing. Now, if you're not getting 20, something's wrong. And I think that's so, I think we're moving Mm -hmm. in, in the same way that talking about nuclear power plants and like how innovation happens in these like relatively free markets. You're going to see things getting 60, 70, 80 miles to the gallon, right? Or on one tank of 20 gallon tank of gas, you have, you get 1200 miles out of that on certain cars. Like that's, that's becoming a normal thing. And it's like, well, what kind of car do you need? Do you really need a, I like, I need a truck. I need a four wheel drive truck for what I do. But not Everybody needs that. Right. So you're going to end up in this situation Mm -hmm. where it's going to be a combination. In my opinion, it's going to be a combination of electric. They're going to get better at sourcing batteries. There's a company right now that's trying to turn uh, instead of having to use lithium, they're going to use steel so they can recycle steel to make batteries, which would be huge. Um, And there's a lot. I don't know. Of course, I'm not a big. I don't understand that much about uh, battery technology. But when I look at it, I think like, all right, like this is, this is probably where it's going to go. You're going to end up with like much more efficient vehicles. And I think that's a good move and, and that we have the technology to do it right. Like with the new turbo technology, with the new diesel technology, it's all happening, but I think it's going to be a combination of both and move us in the right direction. But at the end of the day, the military industrial complex pollutes more than the entire population of the country. So unless that yeah. shit changes, what the fuck are we even talking about? And these people want to be so also high-minded. Like literally and-
1: destructing things. While it's it's doing it too, it's not even—it's not even like it's—it's not even like it's causing issues while it's trying to fix them. Like maybe the maybe the electric batteries and or sorry the battery market and stuff like that. But it's like, yeah, they're they're literally blowing the world up while creating those, those emissions. So it's like, it, it's a double negative
0: 1000%. <laughs> so we look at that and it's like, there's a lot of thing, a lot of moving parts, but again, you've got to be, it's really easy to get emotionally in a camp. And I think that's where people mess up, right? It's like these celebrities, they do these big things and these big people, and they want to be a part of a big solution to a big problem, but you're missing the forest for the trees because you've got to solving problems does happen. I know this is unfortunate, but it does happen via incrementalism oftentimes. And it's like death by a thousand cuts until you reach a tipping point and then things change rapidly. And that's how it's going to go with climate change and pollution these different things. But that's why I get so up in arms about the single use plastic. I'm like, yeah, you're doing that but you're carrying around a smart water bottle while you do it, you know? So like who are you? You know like this I have I have a plastic cup sitting on my desk from a coffee and I'm like I I resent myself every time I forget to bring my my Yeti cup into the <laughs> into the coffee shop, you know? And it's like but I'm still not I'm not like Whole Foods is one of the biggest plastic polluters, right? So it's like, if you don't have any, there's no, there's Virtue doesn't Whole exist Foods. anywhere. Dude, everything you see in Whole wow. Foods, right? I go into Whole Foods, I get so pissed because they have all like watermelon and bananas and pineapples in these like plastic containers. And I'm like, if only fruit came with some kind of weird XO, uh skin that kept it protected <laughs> and safe that you could peel yourself, <laughs> you lazy fucking bitch. Like, if you buy pineapple (laughs) in a fucking plastic container, you are a piece of human trash. Oh, it comes pre
1: pre peeled? Yes. Pre peeled in the plastic? Yes. Oh, Jesus.
0: And I'm like, God damn it, dude. Like, it's like, it's like simple things, like fucking bananas in there. I'm like, why? But everything else that's not in plastic was delivered wrapped in plastic and a lot of times individually wrapped in plastic. So you're talking about like tons and tons and tons of like unreusable plastic, like this single use trash. And then you have the plastic companies. This is where regulatory bodies and regulatory capture happens. These fucking plastic producers and the oil and gas companies pay off these, uh, these, these recycling, this whole recycling initiative, 80% of that plastic is unrecyclable, but they make you feel like it is. So you throw it in the recycle bin, which then has to be sorted out. It's a fucking lot. It's all smoke and mirrors. But it makes you feel yeah, good.
1: dude. So City of Toronto, City of Toronto, it's like, yeah, we we sort all of this, like we we wash our, our plastic bin uh, containers and all like all of that stuff. And I don't know if this is still happening, but it definitely was a thing for a long time that the City of Toronto was just combining all of their garbage and recycling once they collected it yes. and then shipping it off to like a shitty country. Or sorry, like not. Uh, d- d- I don't mean to be like a shithole. Con- yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Trump, but, dude. But like, like, you mac Yeah, guy like, now? sorry. Like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, a country in that is living in shitty conditions, and then yeah, just making them sort it and stuff. And it's just like, what the fuck are we doing here for? Like, yeah, again, essentially, yeah. What you're saying is this smoke and mirrors, or like same thing with with Canada and, and oil. It's like you know, we we shut down all of these pipelines, and again, I don't know whether they're good, but. I do see on the other end, it's like, okay, so we just go and buy all of it off of China and Saudi Arabia instead of producing it ourselves. And it's like, okay, do you think Saudi Arabia and China are doing like are regulating their, their oil industries that well? It's like, uh, I doubt it. So it's like, what what's the best win? Like what's the best win here? Cause yeah, like, I mean, it's literally yeah. just exporting our carbon footprint at that point and that doesn't solve anything.
0: Yeah. And, and to bring it back around to, and this is what I think really with, and this is coming, this I look at all the politics stuff, and this is because I'm a human behavior like science nerd. People don't know that about me because I was a life coach for years and shit. But it's like I just love that. Even when I was a fitness coach growing up, like just my was my first real job was a strength and conditioning coach and CrossFit coach. And I like I did that and like severely invested, like more money than I needed to spend on like learning. I was like a, I was a I like I wanted to achieve like mastery in this, in this understanding of people and movement. And I realized uh, my first year of coaching, I'm like, Oh, the fucking sets and reps and like technique stuff. Like, yeah, there's stuff to learn, but that's pretty straightforward. Understanding people and why they're there is a big difference, right? Like little things like mm-hmm. my 5:30 AM CrossFit class, right. Didn't need motivation. They were there to fucking work yeah. and they would show up early and they'd be stretching before I even got there. Right. That was way different than my 5 PM. CrossFit class, right? That was a, still a full class, 20 some odd people. Those people had just yeah. got off a conference call, rolled up and just want to look, cut loose a little bit. So you, it was like mm-hmm. just knowing the difference of meeting people where they're at and that kind of stuff was really important to me. And so I started investing heavily in human behavior science. And that's where I spent a lot of my time and what made me a really great CrossFit coach until I burned myself out trying to own a business and become a business owner instead of doing what I should have done. But with this and kind of bring Jordan Peterson into this and what I learned from him and that whole process and getting into his stuff later on was understanding that people really, they just want to feel good. At the end of the day, it's not about like, you got to understand that, like, if you want to make things happen in your life, it's going to come via sacrifices. Right. But the American culture is like, feel good all the time. That's why everybody's fat as fuck. Right. Feeling good is easy to commoditize. You were in in the United States. This is one of my biggest criticisms of capitalism. You were a consumer before you were a citizen. Right.
1: Yeah. yeah, yeah. That's a huge thing. For sure. It's a
0: huge thing. Yeah. Like you need to consume. That's, that's, that's one of the, that's one of the reasons I don't like capitalism as a pure system, because you are then incentivizing the production of senseless nonsense, right? Like it's, it's just absolutely like a senseless nonsense is redundant, but like senseless, senseless bullshit where it's, you just got to make like, we need, every Disney character from every movie on a fucking balloon and merchandise and this stuff, even though you're going to come out with the next one next year and these won't be good anymore. And they're going to end up in a secondhand store or if you're, if you're lucky or probably in the fucking trash when your kids outgrow this bullshit. And it's like, why do we, why? Why like I'm not raising my kids like that.
1: I think, I think we in the West need to fundamentally rethink our relationship with what we believe is happiness. Like oh, we yes. toss around, we toss around this, like be happy. Like, you know, like, yeah, it, it's like this concept that you can just not be sad, like be happy all the time, like chase happiness, like the pursuit of happiness. And it's like, what is what is happiness? Because really what you're telling me happiness is, is just pleasure. And yes. if you think about pleasure for a long time, you realize that it's not just good. Like, I mean, our happiness is essentially created off of our relationship between pleasure and pain. And I mean, that's where we get our sadness is from pain. And I mean, our emotional reactions to things are are physical, like it, we do actually get the same physical reaction to, uh, like depression and all that kind of stuff as if you were to, uh, or sorry, not, not, not depression, but, uh, when you feel emotional pain, it, it activates all the same nervous centers as if you feel physical pain. So when we think about just flushing ourselves with, or sorry, uh, just tossing pleasure onto ourselves constantly, it's like, well, pleasure isn't always good. Like, okay. Like eating a slice of pizza gives me pleasure, but like, should I eat a large pizza every night? Like, No it's like, okay, well, I have, it's like, if you use your auto blow AI too much, does it feel too good? No, you end up getting <laughs> fucking depressed. But like, guess what? That, that first time you do it is very pleasurable. Yeah. But like, prolonged uh, exposure to pleasure actually, yeah, brings about pain. And with our dopamine systems too, when we're constantly overloading our dopamine systems, it causes us, our, our minds to not want to get hooked. Just like it, you'll form um, a tolerance level to any sort of Uh, any any drug that you take, it's the exact same with with your pleasure centers, like your dopamine and all that kind of stuff. So if you're constantly giving it to yourself, your mind's just going to start building a uh, tolerance to it. And then it's very fucking hard to get it back and you're going to be con- and you're going to be searching for like quick hits of it, like fucking mm-hmm. social media likes for and even fuck, dude, we can talk about that shit, too, because th- I, I haven't I didn't realize just how much these social media platforms hijack your mind until I started using them about a year ago. Like, I mean, I'd always been on them, but it was like I hadn't really like, used them, used them until a, a year ago. And uh, yeah, fuck, it's crazy. But yeah, it's like it's we've literally cheapened happiness to the point where our our mind has created a tolerance to it. And mm. it's like yeah, we we need to rethink the whole consumer idea about yeah, just just be happy all the time. Just well, do whatever think, makes you feel good. I That's think it, like, it
0: happens with also like derivatives of happiness, and we're get, now we're getting into like the ethereal. I like this. Um, <laughs> but like derivatives, like virtu- I'll, I'll talk about thing. this
1: shit all day. This this is stuff I like more than politics. It's just unfortunately nobody else likes hearing about it.
0: Yeah. Well, th- but th- I, in my opinion, this is politics because they're doing the same thing with virtue, right? Virtue signaling, left or right, and that means if if you're a a congressional you know candidate and you do your ads with a fucking AR-15, that is virtue signaling. I'm sorry to break that to you. That is exactly <laughs> what that is. Okay. Like to an extent, this deer behind me on my wall is virtue signaling. This live free or die of shit is virtue. It is. I mean, let's just be honest about what it is. And also like, you know, posting a black square on Instagram at a certain time was virtue signaling. Right. And that's all. It's it's a a quick hit of like, I feel good because I did a thing. I did a thing for the greater Mm -hmm. good. It doesn't matter if it's actually for the greater good or if it makes a fucking difference at all, which 99.9% of the time, it doesn't make a goddamn bit of difference. And if it does, it gets hijacked by people who want the worst for the fucking world. And then it's the same shit it is the same exact shit. And we were going to talk about like, this is, I hate using the word woke, but this is what people talk about when they say like wokeism. When I was, when I was uh, in personal development stuff, what woke meant was that you were kind of woke to the facade. That is the, what we're talking about consumerism cycle Mm -hmm. of like fake happiness. That's what woke meant. Like you've done some ayahuasca and you've been, Mm -hmm. you know, you've eaten a bunch of mushrooms and sat in a dark room for five (laughs) hours, like Terrence McKenna said to do, you know, and like you saw, like, oh, I like saw the shit. I saw the like games I was playing. That's what woke meant, you know, five years ago. Now woke is a totally different thing, but it influences everything like, for uh, okay, unpopular opinion. We're going to get into the shit that we both like right here. I like think this is going to be some fun correlates here. I don't think, and this is going to get me in trouble, right? For reasons you can probably tell me. I don't think Black Panther is that good of a movie. I never watched <laughs> Captain Marvel because it seemed like a stupid fucking movie. Now, I love a strong female character. I loved Alien, right? I love Sarah Connor and Terminator. Those are fucking bad bitch movies, right? I love representation in movies of all races and different. I, like the, my, my wife watched that show, uh, that like period piece about like uh, the kings and queens. I don't remember what it's called. Uh, I forget what it's called. It was on Netflix, but it's like it was, it was racially diverse in a way that was unrealistic for the time period, but it was well done and it, looked, it was really good. It was an incredible show and they almost just like didn't address it, which was even better, right? Which was, I just watched a few episodes where I was like, they did a good job of like making this representative in a way that was unrealistic, but made it good anyways. In spite of that, whereas mm. now it's like, if you are represented, it has to have been good. Like, I think that black Panther could have been a fucking incredible movie, but they tried to do too many things and make it too many things. You know what I'm saying? And it was like it was like you had the rhinos, right? These like cool rhinos that were armored up and badass. You saw them for like 2 seconds. It was like, what is this? Right? And you had this crazy like in like this this crazy kind of um, combination of like Marvel cinematic just brilliance and African culture, which was fucking dope. And you took all of that shit and you put it with a shitty narrative structure that makes no fucking sense and you had the the uh, incredible anti-hero. Incredible and was, it, was his name Killmonger Whatever his name was I forget Killmonger it's like, yeah, yeah. yeah And it's, you had this And you kill him off he, he was right He was right And then the hero of the movie Ends up doing what he wanted him to do The whole time Why not show a way to make compromise Because he was actually right He was fucked over He was a sympathetic villain And you killed off Are you fucking crazy Like it was just It would just made no sense It killed me And it was like But we're gonna do good And white people shouldn't go see it On opening night <laughs> <laughs>
1: this was the point i was going to make about dc and why when dc movies fail because there is like the odd good dc movie but they're very far and few between but it's like they don't make their villain sympathetic like when when you Mm. watch black panther you understand killmonger's motives you understand deeply why he's doing the things he why he's doing the things he's doing you understand what brought what path brought him to do those things but then you've got something like say Justice League, which was a fucking atrocious movie. Zack Snyder cut wasn't actually that bad. It was it was pretty solid. Um, But it's like, yeah, you've got um, Steppenwolf and it's like the whole movie is like he's just this dude that, yeah, looks scary and intimidating. But like he has zero, zero personality, zero character development. Like you have no idea what's making him want to do the things that he's doing. It's just like, oh, there's just their explanation is like, well, there's evil people in the world so like they're gonna be here and it's like yeah but what makes that evil person tick and that's what makes a lot of marvel movies good now i don't think that i didn't have necessarily any big gripes with black panther but i also didn't think i think it was like the cultural movement around it kind of blew it up to be a a, like a masterpiece i mean the same thing with uh shang chi um people yeah like all of a sudden we're calling it like a top five marvel movie i was like you're out of your mind like that's that's these are these are middle to like maybe top third marvel movies like that's that's where i'll give them they're they're definitely not in the bottom half
0: i want to kind of like highlight why we're talking about this though because i think like Marvel and Disney in particular have a tap on what, and they do influence culture in many ways. And oh, I think yeah. culture influences policy in many ways and just kind of have the way people feel about themselves. So I think Marvel movies are actually a great correlate in like, which ones held up, which ones didn't make any sense. You know, how are mm-hmm. they trying to like capitalize on whatever social movements happening at the time? Like, and I'll say like, yeah, Black Panther was a like, great. It was good. Right. Mm-hmm. But if we can contrast that with like, um, the Tom Holland Spider-Man movies. And what they did was in Zendaya in that movie. Right. Mm-hmm. They took MJ from, you know, from, if you think about the original Peter Parker and MJ, it was like, she's the popular girl. She's out of your league. She's cute. And turned her into this like bait and switch where you think it's this other girl, but then it's actually like the, kind of the nerdy girl who's, you know, kind of cool, but kind of quirky. And is also kind of like, like flips him off sometimes. Like just like they made yeah. it. And it's like, Oh, that's like actually a more relatable thing. You know, it's like a more relatable yeah. person. It doesn't, it's not a fairy tale. It's like, oh, these are like nerds in debate club or whatever, or like math club or whatever the fuck they were yeah. in. And it's like, it it made it, it was like, that's that's cool. Like that was good representation. And it was like, not that, it, I don't know. It's just, it's a challenging thing to a dynamic, but you look at that and you're like, it can be done so well. But with back, Black Panther, what gets me so upset is because it had so much potential, right? Like I mm. think the Tom Holland Spider-Man like did as much as it could do. You know, the villain in the second movie mm-hmm. was, but like but you look at it and it's like man you guys blew it you could have made it a thing and that's what dc my biggest gripe with dc is like make them the dark marvel make yeah, them dude. grimy and rated r and fucked up look at what like deadpools are are fun movies right but they're not like mm-hmm. great they're funny they're fun and funny mm-hmm. do that make a rated. make rated r superhero movies that are not for have everybody you ever seen but for fucking grown-ups Logan was great. Logan's a good example. Log- Logan DC, and the boys. That's
1: what DC should be doing. Yeah, the boys, the boys is fucking sick. Dude, I like the boys because it's the most like as, as much as they like kind of exaggerate certain things or like make it like certain cra- like real crazy. I'm like, if superheroes existed in the world, this is how it would be done. Like they would like it would, they would, they would be, be commercialized. Yeah, they'd be a market. They'd be commercialized. They'd be like, uh, like, I mean, I, I don't fuck. This is where I'm like, how much do you talk about? And like, what's a what's a spoiler? But it's like yeah essentially going on to create their own enemies um just so that they can kind of push and pr move themselves and this and that and i'm like this is this is what would happen if if superheroes existed in the real world so it's like yeah that that semblance to to the real world needs to be there but somewhere like say black panther i think where if, if I'm understanding correctly, like where, where it seems like, it seems like they just took like maybe the, the cheap route to talk about, uh, what was happening in, in society, like just put throwing it in your face. Like even I, like I get that. I get that when I watch that, the scene in, uh, Avengers, uh, infinity war, when, uh, Oh, yeah, the, the villain is just like, oh, yeah, you can't uh, you can't beat me on your own or whatever. And then um, one of the uh, Dora Milaje hops in and she, it's like, she's not alone. And then all of a sudden, like all the women <laughs> characters come in and that was endgame. And I was like, yeah, was this yeah. is like, yeah, this this is just like you're doing this so that the crowd stops in the middle of the movie. And, and like all of a sudden it pulls to me. That's where it's like you're pulling me out of the movie for a minute. It did.
0: I was like I was like that was it was so contrived so contrived Mm.
1: so like if if it's just fucking thrown in your face it's like yeah all right i see what you're doing here you're pandering but i mean i think the best movies that are commentary on on society are the ones that go like so far with their uh, analogies and in their storytelling of it like dune dune's a great example where dune is all about imperialism but it's like it's done in such a way that you can't tell what countries are supposed to be uh the villains which countries are supposed to be the heroes like it's so far brought from reality that you kind of almost don't even understand it's it's a a commentary on reality but those are the movies that end up sitting there and resonating and those are the moments that people think about for a long time because it's like it's like inception in a sense like if you put that kernel of an idea in there where people don't necessarily understand what something means but then they really have to think about it and they're like oh fuck okay okay oh the spice oh it's like oh the 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 imperial over oh that's the british okay cool like these these, <laughs> these 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 native people were like trying to protect the spice in in the uh, in like the hills okay like yeah oh the, the okay this is british imperialism in africa like in the late 1800s You're like okay i get this and then it, and then it hits but if it was like if they were like storming into this foreign uh world and it's like they have like something like an, like an African flag in the back. You're like, okay, okay, come on. Like like this, you're, you're, you're shoving it in my face. Like, let me figure it out. And then that idea will resonate.
0: Think about the difference in Dune versus Avatar, which Avatar is a beautiful movie and I hope the sequels are great, but Avatar is Pocahontas, right? Avatar is Ferngully. And it's so in your face. It's, it's, it's cinematically so impressive, especially for the time. Like, I think I got high and watched that like 14 times when I was in college. It was, that's what me and my friends used to do it. We had a a group house together, but yeah, it was like, it's great. But yeah, you, you, there's something to be said for like story writing. And I think a lot of that is gone. Like I think Mm -hmm. some of it, it, you get glimpses every now and then, but it's like, it's like being dehydrated and finally getting some some water. You know mm. what I mean? It's like one of those things yeah. where it's like, Oh, like that, that's what it's like. Like, that's what it's like to write a really good character. And that's why I love, uh, the Americans. And then Ozarks, another good one.
1: Yeah. I just started season four. Oh, yeah. me
0: too. Yes. We just started the other day, but, uh, the Americans is a very similar story. So the Americans follows a, uh, a couple who are, uh, uh, Soviet um, illegals, so they're, they they move mm. them as a cu- married couple to the United States with fake documents. They steal the names of dead kids because they have to get birth certificates through some insiders, and they grow, they live as Americans for I think twenty That's some out. odd years. And it's a mm. cool story, but it's their story. But it doesn't make like Soviets aren't the bad guys, America's not the good guys, right? The Americans mm. do just as much fucked up, and the American like FBI does just as much fucked up stuff as the Russians do for the most part. It depicts like Russian life at the time. Um, after world war one, especially in these, uh, uh world war two, like these crazy experiences where people were just like, things were fucked up, man. And it, it, it shows that, but it's not like communism is evil and capitalism is amazing. It was kind of this weird, and it does such an amazing job And the way that it, it it's like, it just has a kind of an ambiguous ending. I'm not going to spoil anything. Cause I think it's one of those underrated shows that does an amazing job, has an amazing, mm-hmm. uh, the, the protagonists of the show are the Soviets. Right. The wife is a badass, but even, and this is one of the things that kills me about fucking female superheroes and it's female, just any, any time, right? Westworld's a good example of this. They just seems like whenever a female is fighting someone, they're just a fucking stormtrooper, and they just get punched in the face. And it's like a very accommodating stunt man. <laughs> Whereas like yeah. the woman and it's the girl, dude, it's the chick from Felicity, right? So you got to think she's a mm. small, she's probably five to 130 pounds. And when she beats men's ass, which she does, she does it with cunning and she does it with skill, and she does it with speed, but she never overpowers someone, right? Mm. Unless she gets like gets a rear naked choke on him or something like that. Which yeah, I've yeah, been yeah. rear naked choked by a small female before. Not a joke. I would rather a oh, large yeah, man choke me than a small female. That's good. <laughs> that's a that's a jujitsu like yeah. I've been tapped out by somebody who's good at jujitsu. Yeah. 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 It's not fun. <laughs> like, yeah, there, yeah. like I had that happen in like her the little bones in her arm like went through my throat and like touched my spine. I was like, Ugh. I've never felt this kind of like choke in my life, but <laughs> it's, it's like something about that where it's like, it doesn't have to be like the boys did a good job with this. They kind of mocked that whole thing in Marvel. Whereas like they had that girls get it done campaign. You know what I yeah, mean? Yeah, yeah, and it yeah, was yeah, just yeah. kind of like, so over the top and blew it up. And you're like, you need these irreverent shows to kind of blow up these cultural narratives. Right. And like hold yeah. the, the, these, these drivers of of culture to account for their fucking bullshit and like their mm-hmm. self aggrandizing nonsense. Like, there's a reason that Captain Marvel barely made an appearance in Endgame because they made her too powerful, right? She was like mm-hmm. Superman on
1: steroids. Well, that's kind of a thing in the comics. It, I'm sure it is. Like, right? I mean, she's op. Sense. She's op as fuck. Like overpowered as fuck. But like, yeah. but. I think where they went wrong with Captain Marvel was just first of all, I didn't like the casting. I don't like I, terrible. I don't like Bree Larson.
0: Bree Larson is good at certain things. She's good at but she is not a superhero.
1: Yeah, she's, she's just not. She's amazing at drama. But like even even if you watch the press interviews with uh with Bree Larson and the rest of the Avengers cast, like it, it was like, oh dude, it was so cringy. There was a moment in an interview where like Thor uh, or sorry, Chris Hemsworth joking about Thor being more powerful than uh Captain Marvel, and like she gets like upset about it like she starts like going at him like tossing like backhanded like comments at like chris hemsworth not even like participating in the joke anymore just like i was just like holy shit like so you're watching that and that's where i'm kind of like okay i can see like maybe that's why i'm feeling like this disconnect with her in these scenes like you can tell that she's i mean there's all these like rumors and like uh, kind of uh, stories from like staff being talked about, like how she was just a nightmare on set, like didn't get along with anybody, was constantly causing problems. But it's like, yeah, no, the casting of those things is so important, and the way that you portray them, and like you were saying with with the Americans and and the girl, uh, woman from the Soviet Union being like, yeah, she's she's beating them in ways that women can beat men, where it's like that, and that's that's a very big possibility. Like, yeah, where you and I were just saying, like we've both been choked out by uh by by girls before but it's like when you see Bree Larson like sprinting in a scene next to uh, uh oh it was a train yeah in the Captain Marvel movie like she dude she's like flailing about and stuff and you're like this isn't how even a normal person runs let alone a, the, one of the strongest superheroes in the world like so it was just it was one of those scenes for me or one of those castings for me for sure where i was like yeah this whole marvel captain marvel thing it didn't feel like it was working but you know,
0: and that's something that the Black Panther movies did well was the the, the female casting was like, I think any of the mm. women in that movie besides the little sister could beat my ass. Yeah. <laughs>
1: like, yeah. Look at
0: that. I'm like, yeah, was, they were like, and then with the, with the shaved head, like they did a good job. Yeah, the job was Like, was Yeah, they were dope. Yeah. They were badass, <laughs> mm. <laughs> but there's like little bits of that here and there. And I just, I love talking about this stuff because I geek out on it because you look at you know, these giant epics like game of like the song of ice and fire, the book, the game of Thrones books, where it's like so complicated and so nuanced and so gray. And they always throw in somebody who's like kind of pure and somebody who's kind of evil and they rotate them in and out, but it's never, you can always understand the character motivations of these like evil people that they just paint as like bad, like, Oh, they're bad. But in again, like the Tom Holland, the first Spider-Man movie, I forget uh, Michael Keaton great yeah, job yeah.
1: vulture he was getting yeah.
0: fucked over and he was like all right well we'll just make weapons then it was like all right cool <laughs> like that i get that yeah. i would do that that makes sense you know it's like a sympathetic character and you does some evil shit but it's like it's a slow process the wire i don't have ever seen the wire great example of that you understand how michael b jordan so yeah <laughs> nice little through line there As a kid, like got into slinging dope because he had like six brothers and sisters and his parents were junkies. And that's the only thing he could do to like make sure they had cereal in the morning. Right. It's like, okay, Mm -hmm. so now you now you're empathizing with a drug dealer in the early 2000s in Baltimore. Mm -hmm. Right. Where it's like these people have been villainized by. Rudy Giuliani and George W. Bush and Ronald Reagan, and you get a different look at it from the inside, right? Then you get to look at inside the cops and see how the cops are all fucked up and the politics and the school system and how the school system's all fucked. And you're like, wow, this is like, if you ever want a breakdown of what real systemic racism is, go watch the wire. It's that simple, right? Yeah. I think I saw the first
1: season way back. Oh, it would have been a while ago. And I do remember really liking it. But for some reason, I for some reason, I fell off. But I do remember like the first season being like, oh, shit, this is this is this is pretty realistic. Like, yeah. I don't I yeah, I don't like when one side is is portrayed as like altruistic or like, yeah, mistake free of any of any kind, no matter no matter what the movie is about. But I mean, I think that's even like what. uh, uh like that's what dostoevsky was famous for and i'm i'm yet to like dive into his books but i i've more so just uh i i like going into youtube finding like like old school intellectuals and then essentially like getting youtube breakdowns of them and then being like okay now i'll spend time reading this person's book but it's 1, like yeah everybody talks the same about the exact thing <laughs> <laughs> yeah so but like everybody talks about how dostoevsky was like the goat of that like essentially like steel manning the person in the it's like you know who is i mean dostoevsky obviously the the he's sympathizing with the protagonist throughout the story that's every writer is kind of doing that but like he's really like yeah steel manning the people on the the, the um the antagonists and like making sure like there isn't holes in the fact as to why they're doing things or also like kind of shining maybe the protagonist in a bad light like kind of and it's like th- that's what makes a good story and i think i i was i was actually listening to a podcast with uh james cameron and uh, ridley scott and it was very interesting because they were talking about how movies are novels for j- just modern day like they're they're the last frontier of storytellers essentially like what percentage of people read books like so it's like it, it's very few but I think where that's kind of an issue where now like storytelling has been solely being told by movies is it's so easy to check out during a movie like mm. you can kind of check out while you're reading a book too but as soon as you like hit, hit a sentence you're like where the fuck am I you're like this I, this is not making any sense anymore but you can kind of just like hop in and out with movies you can send a text for 10 minutes 15 minutes and then go back and or you can get lost in the visuals of it and not really be paying attention to what they're saying and so there's so many opportunities to miss the story being told. But that's like I just got into reading about like a year ago. I would I would listen to audiobooks and stuff, but it was the same issue of being able to check out where just yeah, a year ago I, I finally was like, no, I'm I'm getting myself to start reading. And it's crazy the difference that you pick up. I don't I don't read that much nonfiction, but even if when I do, I'm like, oh, I understand these characters and these stories so much better when I'm reading, then I'm am watching, or like, at least when I'm watching, I have to go back and watch breakdowns or like, uh, like Easter egg type videos to very, like, understand the story. But yeah, it's I think a lot of people miss out on. Yeah, they they use movies, as, again, just like that pleasure checkout, like just being like, Oh, I just want to feel good. I want to go watch a movie. But like, when was the last time you sat down and watched a movie? like actually like impact like be like oh fuck i'm gonna take something away from this and like actually apply it and like actually like live live it essentially and it's like "Ah, that's that's what i think is moving missing in the in the movies these days um and this is actually my thing with with marvel is like a lot of people make the right uh critique that the movies are formulaic and kind of like blueprinted but the story is this universe it's it's from movie to movie like think about movies as episodes of tv shows and yeah like each one of those episodes follows formula but the story is being told on a large scale and that story being told is is Pretty good, like and pretty accurate to real life. Like, I mean, even when you see like the the way that certain like military oper- operations are taking place, like you know, General Ross, like kind of doing some fucking shady ass shit for the military. You're like, oh, th- all of this takes place. Even even the one line actually, it, it's at the beginning of Iron Man where I was like, oh fuck, this is so on point. Where the reporter asks her like, oh, did you practice that uh, uh line in the mirror? But it's where he's talking about how all of the nice things that have come out of Stark industries, whether it's like the regenerative farming type stuff for the, the, uh, arc reactor, all of that kind of stuff. He's like, that all came by way of military funding, baby. So like, you can sit here and get angry at me, like uh, at the military side of things, but everything you think that I do is good also came by way of a military contract. And it's like this Mm -hmm. throwaway line in a movie, but you're like, yeah, that's actually what it is. Or even in Eternals, the, um, um i don't know if any if you've seen that one yet it's the is one of the new i think it's the newest marvel movie but it's there's a a character in that who's um essentially like creating technology and feeding it to humans throughout their evolution and he says at one point he's like uh one eternal is being like why why are they always at war like this and that like really like upset about the fact that he's watching all these humans be at constant war and the guy that's in charge of technologically innovating humans as they move is like, Oh, this is necessary. Like, this is how they techn- like how they, uh, how they improve. Like all- every time a war happens, like medical advances happen. So it's yeah. like, yeah. And it's like, it's like all of these like weird double-edged swords, but if you really pay attention and you start thinking about like certain concepts being talked about in these movies, it's like they're very, very interesting conversations or like Civil War is one of my favorite movies. And it's like that whole movie is a narrative on whether the collective needs trump individual rights. It's like Captain America's side is talking about individual rights and Iron Man's side is collective, the collective need. And it's like, that's a whole movie on it. And both of them, like throughout the whole movie, you're constantly torn as to which one's right. Like there is no, no clear cut right side. And you're like- yeah. That's in those are where those movies do so good. But yeah, most of the people just, I mean, take the Martin Scorsese critique of them being amusement park rides, and they're not wrong from a uh, visual perspective. (laughs) But like, yeah, there's, there's very good concepts in these movies that I feel like a lot of people are missing.
0: Yeah, I think they are. And I think one of the things that, you know, to kind of piggyback on that is, is just this kind of understanding that people don't like to get uncomfortable, right? And that's, I think a lot of this, we talk about this virtue and virtue signaling and this kind of outcry and you can call it social justice warriors or wokeness or whatever you want to call it. It's like, when you look at it, like go watch Requiem for a Dream, right? By yourself and pay attention, turn your phone off. That movie will fuck you up and have you rethinking things. The Wire, same mm-hmm. deal. Like in some of these Scorsese movies, same. It's like, they, will, they get into your head and like make you rethink the way you view the world. And that's something that novels used to do or novels or nonfiction books. It's like, you can get in and like put yourself there. And one of the beautiful things about books, especially if you don't have like a framework for the universe is that you really kind of co-create the universe with the author of the book, which is kind of their responsibility to give you the tools to do so. But you like create this universe and even the people that you see, the things that you could, you see it all in your mind's eye, you know, you get to kind of co-create that and you can really put yourself there. Um, which I don't read a ton of fiction. And if I do, it's usually audiobooks. But even then, if I don't have a framework, like I read The Song of Ice and Fire books after I saw Game of Thrones. So I kind of like envisioned Peter Dinklage as as um Tyrion, Lannister. <laughs> but so you have that framework. But I think there's like this 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 adverse relationship with being uncomfortable that comes along with like I guess maybe maybe even it's American or Western culture where it's like we talked about that, like those fast hits of dopamine, and this, and then like it makes me feel better to feel like I'm speaking out against this thing, even though I've not ever acknowledged the unintentional consequences of whatever that may be, right? And that mm. may be gun rights or abortion or you know like Black Lives Matter or this other thing. And it's like, but you don't. It, it, it's it's almost like we don't have the skill set, or we're not we haven't developed that skill set as a culture to be like, okay, but I need to also like zoom out and address the larger consequences of this action, because everything, and this is what I talk about on the show a lot is, is whatever you're going to do has unintended consequences, right? Your mm-hmm. level of, of, of credibility to me is correlates with the number of unintended consequences you can find in a thing that you find virtuous. You know, if you mm-hmm. find like, okay, so climate change is a good one, right? So we just like, Hey, climate change, what are the unintended consequences of what you want to do? That you don't want to Mm -hmm. confront that will make you a little bit uncomfortable and make you second guess this whole thing, which is why politically homeless became what it is. And now we have thought criminals, but it's like, you got to look at all that stuff. And to look at all that stuff, you can't be on a team. And if you're on Mm -hmm. team, you know, wokeness, or if you're on team conservative, or if you're on team Marjorie Taylor Greene, whatever, or QAnon, (laughs) it's like you, now you have an allegiance to that thing. You have an allegiance to that thing that then blinds you from the uncomfortable reality of the fuckery that will ensue after your dream life that you think you're utopian, you're libertarian, socialist, whatever it is, your utopian vision for the world has consequences and they're not good ones. There's some good ones and there's some bad ones. That's the way Like communism makes it on paper. Capitalism has problems like, like socialism to a lot of people when you feel like the, the, the wealth gap Between the lowest and the highest in this country is ridiculously high. Well, the people that are getting fucked are going to want to have socialism because they're better off. So what? Why would they not? They're looking out for their own self interest, at least in their imagination. So there was this Daily Wire video this girl Brett Cooper did, who I do like. We correspond on Instagram. She's not going to like this video at all. But um, (laughs) but she was saying that she was criticizing Gen Z, right? Which has its Mm -hmm. fair amount of issues. Don't get me wrong. But it's like yeah, there's this drive within Gen Z to work as little as possible and have as much free time as possible. And I was like, I don't see a problem with that. If you want to live minimally, like there's a reason there's a minimalism push, right? To have like two forks and a cot and a bedroom. And like, will spend a lot of time outside. Like if you want to forge through the Whole Foods trash can and find good food, and that's how you want to eat, like more power to you, dude, that stuff's going to waste anyways. And a lot of time they throw away good food. Like somebody had like $700 worth of groceries they found that was all fresh in the Whole Foods trash can. <laughs> I was like, that's weird, but Hey, whatever, like more to your own. And it's like these, these like pro freedom people are like, yeah, but you need to work 60 hours a week to get to that freedom. And it's like, why? <laughs> you, don't need, you can live. I was like, I know, I yeah. know people who are crazy wealthy and I know people who live in a fucking van. And sometimes the guy who lives in the van is happier than the wealthy guy. And maybe you don't consider that your American dream, but this motherfucker likes to surf. So like, that's what he does. You know, it's like, it is dude, what it is. I'm going is. So the
1: van route. You could, you could podcast in a van. Oh, dude. And that, that's actually my idea is to be able to like, essentially do like Anthony Bourdain, but podcasting uh but like more so like cut from like a cultural like political realm and like really like get into the like the nitty-gritty of certain areas or or countries um in like in talk with the with with those people but like you're saying like with the yeah the whole push of dude it is so weird to me where yeah like people want to make it seem like life yeah what you were saying there with the pro freedom crowd is is very like pull your bootstraps at bootstraps up, like put your time in at the corporation for 40 years. That doesn't give a fuck about you. You're like just a number on a spreadsheet to them. And you know, that's what life is. And it's like, that's not, no, that's not fucking what life is either. And then on the other end, I go, I, I sympathize with the ideas on, uh, the left more. And I feel like that's why I maybe attack them a little bit more as I consider myself on, on that end of things. But it's just, again, it's the proposed solutions to them where I'm like, this is fucking nuts. But it's like, yeah, the that easy lifestyle is like, okay, but you just have to make sacrifices. Like, guess what? Like, okay, you want to not have somebody down your throat, man, like like making you work 45 hours a week, like or sorry, making you work 60 hours a week, pulling overtime and shit like then do it yourself. Like start your own business. It's going to take more time off the hop, but you can definitely switch it. It's it's sacrificing your immediate like the present for the future but like you have to like you can't just expect you can't want the easy streak but then expect it to be given to you so like that's where i empathize with the that maybe that freedom crowd is like yeah you can't just expect the government to give you that lifestyle but on the other end i'm like yeah you should be able to achieve that lifestyle like that's a that's a very desirable lifestyle like go do it but like yeah this idea that it's going to be created for you that's where that's where I start losing it
0: it's Like, people, everybody wants to go to college for free, right? Like, you hear that all the time. Mm-hmm. I haven't gotten this like huge debate with this like lefty 25 year old white chick who was like, You should be if you want to get a liberal arts degree, that should be taken care of. This should be taken care of. And I was like, Okay, so you, who, if you're got a you know, a liberal arts degree or whatever, like, who's gonna hire you? Who's gonna buy your shit? Like, if everybody, if the government's paying for everything, then nobody has any fucking money. So it's like, you have no way to like, so you, you don't understand the cycle doesn't really make sense. Like, you can't just get, be given everything. Like, there is a game of sacrifices, regardless of whether you live in a law a fair capital society or a socialist society. Like, if you, it just it, it doesn't matter what it is. You know, if you want to get like, and I had gotten an argument with like a uh, like a mom influencer one time because I said that children are a burden. Like, she has said like children are a burden. I'm like, children oh, I are that. absolutely <laughs> a burden. Yeah, I was like, are you fucking on drugs? Like, you've had first off, this woman had had like a kid for like three weeks. So I was like, spare me your fucking new mom hormones. <laughs> first off, and second off, I was like, if you don't think that children are a burden, you're on absolute meth. Like. This podcast is a burden. I love doing it. This is fucking fantastic. This is, I I enjoy this so much, but it's still like, it is a thing that takes time out of my day that I have to plan and do I have to do a lot of stuff I don't like to do to do the thing I like to do. It is a burden. Kids are worth it but they're not, it's not like it's a, it's a, it's a free and easy situation. Like it takes away from other things in your life. You have to lose your social life. Maybe your body for a little while, uh, you know, like you definitely, if you're a mom, you're losing some nip, you know what I mean? Your nipples are never going to be the same, right? Like they are, it's like, it, they're, but it's, 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 but it's also one of the most beautiful things in the world. Like some of the biggest burdens present some of the most beautiful wins in your life. You know what I mean? Like train working. And that's the same I thing. Think like, just working some, out
1: of- I think it's most of them. I think it's most of the I think it's most of the biggest burdens. It's like is I mean that's that's where Jordan Peterson resonated with me was not even necessarily on the political stuff where like, yeah, sure, I'll listen to him about that kind of thing. But the 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 personal aspect of yeah, like take on responsibility. And like he he worked as like a gateway into those like those Nietzsche thinkers for me and stuff like that. But like, yeah, man, like though things are tough. Like things are burdens, but but those are what give your life meaning. Like sitting on your couch isn't going to bring anybody happiness long term. It's like yeah, you have to you have to do those those shitty things those things that are hard, but at the end of the day you can turn around and say it was worth it and like for most people in life that's that's kids but like yeah, that is definitely a burden and that's where I was like laughing that whole time. I was like I was like people just get these words where it's like yeah like burden it's like in, inherently bad and it's like no, 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 it's just it's a it's a weight you carry essentially like
0: yeah, I, I sent her. I sent her the the like. I looked up the definition because this is one of those things that like she's she's a conservative. She's like these liberals are changing definitions to words, and I was like, you're changing the definition to a word right now for your own yeah. means. And I sent her the definition. I was like, it's like literally a burden is like something to be carried. I'm like, you literally carry a child a, lo- a lot, so like that's yeah. Like by definition, by default, it is a burden. She's like, well, that's not the clue. I'm like, well, ha- well, are we changing meanings? Are we are we yeah, going? Yeah. The, what are we doing here? It was yeah, like, so I love, I love, tra- I love trapping the conservatives in that way. I I, sh- I love, I love giving the conservatives a hard time. The liberals are like, I, I criticize the left more, but I like picking on the
1: right more. <laughs> I learned, I learned, I learned that it is easier to trigger a right wing person than it is a left wing person. I think, uh, 1, like, a, like a general, a general, I, like, I think there's nobody easier to trigger than the far left, <laughs> but the general like just your average conservative or your average liberal like i i again i don't even pick on the conservatives all that much but like i did once and like they lost their shit and i was like holy fuck (laughs) like i was like this is hilarious i was like because you guys are all like like some of them are like messaging me being like oh you're like whatever they get into the fucking culture war shit and, and send me dms and stuff and i'm like you're saying these things that you are literally crying about right now to or in comment sections and DMs and this kind of stuff and then you're just turning around and doing it the moment that something's directed at you and it's like it's fucking bananas to me the amount of just blindness in it on just in humanity in general it's not even it's not even in it's not even in regards to politics but just that whole like yeah really don't I mean that's uh, for, uh sorry not Freud uh that's young's whole concept on like the shadow self it's like yeah the it's like you see you see what you see in others that you don't like is what you're not willing to admit is in yourself and it's like yeah no i it's like yeah that's a hundred percent so it's like that's the first thing i ask myself whenever people are like getting on my nerves Is being like am i just getting mad at myself here like and there's definitely times where that's a that's a real thing and then you have to like parse it out and go like okay like how much of this is real frustration or anger towards a situation or how much is this just like pent up anger inside of me that I haven't dealt with. And it's like, <laughs> exactly. I think that's, I think that's a lot of people out there.
0: I think that conservatives generally on the whole are like immune to self reflection. Like they really are. And one thing that something that a conservative will say, they say this all, to me all the time. When we get into like, we will get into like debates. Right. And I'll like argue with them and they're like, Oh, well don't get triggered. And I'm like, if you were, if you said it to me, in my I would slap you in the face. If you said that to my face right now, like that, it, it, it makes my blood, it, it triggers me. It honestly does. Like, don't get triggered. I'm like, I'm having a, I don't know you. First of all, you slid into my DMS. I give you a little bit of time out of my day and you're going to be here like, Oh, well don't get defensive. And I'm like, dude, do you, what, you are what, you on? Offensive. I don't owe you anything. You, do? owe you, anything. <laughs> yeah. you came at me. <laughs> like, I'm trying to have a discussion with you. And you're saying like, Oh, as soon as I like get, you know, poignant in my discussion, you're like, Whoa, Whoa, Whoa. Don't get, you don't be a snowflake. And I'm like, I guarantee I could beat your ass, dude. Don't, don't call me a snowflake. <laughs> like get out of my face. But it's it's one of the but conservatives do that so often. And they drive me crazy. Like I posted that tweet the other day, I'm sure you saw, but it was about like, it was kind of drawing the correlate where where they're like, teens can't make their own decisions about their gender assignment. And I'm like, yeah, I agree with that. I think, I don't think you're an adult till you're 25 first personally. And then I'm like, yeah, so we should, we should forgive student loan debt then. And they're like, well, no, <laughs> Like, well, they're like, you can make that decision when you're 18. I'm like, do you think that people make the decision to go to college when they're a senior in high school? I'm pretty sure they start getting that programming in their head when they're like 13, like Very it'll be early. worth it. Do this other thing. You start looking at college, you start picking out colleges when you're like 15 or 16, you start going on visits when you're 16 or 17. Like it's a long process of grooming to make that decision happen. So I'm telling you that there's two different groups of people, one that you don't seem to acknowledge and another that you seem to obsess about that are both being manipulated by powers bigger than themselves. And so you're ignoring that. And then I also never made a, a a bold statement for either one. I just like put it out there as like intentionally ambiguous to see what the fucking conservative, conservative coping would happen in my comments about what they thought that I said. And I, one guy would get on me. I was like, it's not my fault. You can't read dude. Like I put question marks after everything I said, I never said this is what we should do. <laughs> yeah. And the caption literally said, it makes sense if you don't think about it, which is like our world today. <laughs> it makes sense as long as you don't yeah, think yeah. about it too much. Yeah. And just the, like the comments I got, I'm like, it's from everywhere. Like they thought that I said everything that they wanted to, that they needed to be mm-hmm. pissed off about. I was like, dude, get out of, get stopped with this. And I was like, you know, I have like ideas. Like I, I, t- I told people, I was like, I think that we, what we should probably do is forgive the amount of student debt that they've paid in interest and then cut the interest for the rest of the student debt and pair that with massive college reform that changes this thing. And this also put a cap on interest rates that can be had on student loans. Because they're secured by the government, there's no sense in having a 14 or 15% APR on that kind of principle. It doesn't make any sense. And then you essentially have an interest-free loan that you do have to pay off yourself. But a lot of people are only paying interest, so that would help them out a lot. And that would also be geared towards The people who have paid the most interest, which are generally the people that have the less money, they can pay the lower payments. So Mm -hmm. you're essentially means testing by default by deciding to cancel the amount that they have paid in interest over the time of their loan. That's a different conversation, right? So we're in this thing like, well, are taxpayers going to pay for that? I'm like, actually, I think the banks that gave out those loans should just not get fucking paid sorry, you made predatory loans. It was a bad idea. Fuck you. I don't know what to tell you. We bailed you out in 2008. Suck a dick. I don't know. Like, <laughs> like, I'm pretty sure we could figure that out. That'd be wildly popular, I, I can imagine. But it's like, I didn't say any of those things in the post. It was just like-
1: I'm just in camp. Why the fuck you even go to college or university at this point? Well, uh, na- like, well now, yeah, like,
0: that, that's a trend now. But But when we were growing up, when I was growing up, that was like, my parents weren't educated. So they wanted mm. me to get an education. They saw that as my path mm. out of what they had. And I think a lot of uh, people don't understand that, like when your parents didn't go to college and weren't educated, that they didn't really—they see that as what was—that they see that as the thing. And a lot of times it's projection. And a lot of times it's not true. It was, but they—for a lot of people, it was in their time in the '70s, '80s, '90s. No, no, no.
1: I think I, I, at one point it was generally useful to do. I think I think yes. now going to I think now going to university is is a net negative like it depends on what you financial. want to do
0: if you want to be if you want to go to law school or medical school shit like that yeah there's, there's obviously like, there's, there's, yeah it's, it's, sir, sorry sir, yes.
1: sorry i shouldn't have been so broad there's there's certain there's certain obviously industries that you cannot get in without without a university degree for sure in those ones in those ones but again this is this is where i like i still have that disconnect where i go like i could learn all of that knowledge that that kid is learning in a university classroom on, online right now like Mm -hmm. no questions asked all of that information is actually and actually probably more like recent information on these topics is accessible to me within two or three clicks so like Mm -hmm. at that point you are only paying for the stamp like you are literally paying for a piece of parchment paper and unless you're in an industry where like that parchment paper is the be-all end-all
0: and the and the the experience of college too the party (laughs) yeah Yeah. i mean we'll of, but like also a lot of people think I think a lot of people need that transition from living in your parents' house to like kind of living by yourself, but Mm -hmm. also kind of supervised into like getting an apartment and feel like there's a lot of things, but you can also do that outside of college too. But if you yeah, marketing tech, if you're like, if if it's a business thing, if it's a money-making thing for you, most of the time it doesn't make sense. Like you, again, all that stuff is like accessible on Udemy or some other, or if you go work, you can get a job at at one of the, all of these tech companies and they pay for education for you. You know, I mean, you, shit, if you're, if you're, if you're poor, you can go to work at an Amazon warehouse and they pay for college for you. I think it's like, which is, it's a shitty job, but you can suck the dick for a three, three years and like get a degree. You know, it's like, it, you will have no other life besides a soulless job at Amazon and at warehouse and also going to school. But if that's what's something you need for like upper mobility in your life, like more power to you. I think it works. You know, it's probably better than taking out debt. But you also it depends on what you're looking. I mean, it's it's a very individual thing. But I think it gets it gets pressured
1: as soon as you take out the debt aspect or or the money aspect. All like that's where like a lot of my views would change on on university and college. Where I say net negative, like not necessarily that it's negative through and through, but just like overall what you get out of it for what you put in. Whether it's literally four years, like I even just think factor in time into that as well. But like, yes. like the, the the four years you take factored on with the six figure debt like all of this at 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 the end of the day is is it worth it so like you uh, scholarship or you're in law or one of those scenarios where like yeah it is needed like you you have to have that piece of paper sure but yeah i i don't know i guess the the culture aspect of moving out of your parents basement is is great as well but like I don't know. I know just as many people that went to university that now can't even cook themselves a fucking meal like, I don't know, like as far as the taking care of your life thing, I'm like, I don't know. I know, I know a lot of, I know a lot of people that went to university that can't even take care of themselves. Yeah.
0: (laughs) But for me, I feel like for me, it was helpful, but generally speaking, I I don't, I can't speak for anybody else, but like in that way, but I, I used my degree and I, but the thing was again, the data, the the information I got was outdated. Uh, health and fitness management, which is basically uh, uh, kinesiology and business combined, Um, which was good. I learned a lot and it was good. And I made a lot of connections. Also, a lot of my friends that are in like concrete and construction now, a lot of those guys, they did a lot of networking in college. They're still doing deals with like our buddies from college and still work with them. So they've like, they've made more money because of the relationships they had from school and the fraternity life in particular than they did, you know, from actually their education in school or anything else. Like that's, that's where the, and they, they've probably covered their ass financially, you know? just by the relationships and i've had that conversation too where i think if you have the ability to make those relationships without that great if you don't sometimes getting into clubs frats sororities whatever like that stuff as silly as it seems like that's the birthplace of a lot of a lot of money for a lot of people it but again it just depends like if you want to go into concrete and engineering management like stuff like that you've got to go to school like it makes if you're going to yeah. be an engineer like you've got to go to school <laughs> Like guess what it is yeah but um well, with a lot of this stuff, you're absolutely right, man. It's, it, and I think that, that need, that's becoming more and more acknowledged in our society, which I think is great. Um, but I also think you should be able to get a bachelor's degree in two years. Like, that's easy college reform right there. Boom. That cuts that cuts your debt in half to get a basic degree. Yeah. You don't need racquetball. You don't need fucking underwater basket weaving, whatever the fuck other classes they make you take that cost $1,000 a semester. Like, why? Why do I need to take a mm-hmm. kickboxing class? Like, it's just, it's just so I can meet my—we're like, not in high school. In high school, that makes sense. They have to have a phys ed class and this other shit. But if you're not doing that for like, I had to do it because it was like part of my curriculum and it actually made sense because that would be a lot of our people were teaching those classes after school and it was a great exposure. But generally speaking, you don't need to take racquetball in college. Like it doesn't make any sense, mm. you know, yeah. If you want to great, but you should be able to get a, a basic degree
1: in two years. It shouldn't be that hard if you go full time. If you just take the classes you need to take at, the, at this point, we're at the age where I can sign up for a Tuesday beer league racquetball if I need be exactly yeah it doesn't it doesn't need to be taught to me at school but yeah no exactly or even chemistry
0: for marketing majors why does a marketing major do take chemistry class or biology who fucking cares mm, you're never going to use it stupid go away
1: (laughs) leave me alone see i think i think before even thinking about like college and university reform it's like you got to go public school like like public school i think that is like causing a fuck ton of issues in our society is, is our public school system like do you, do you know much about the the roots of like the public school system, like Prussia factory schooling and all that? that I mean, it makes sense that it was like it it, it it correlates with with factory working and obedience <laughs> in a very similar way. So but like, I, I don't know all the exact details. So, yeah, a guy named Horace Mann is like dubbed the uh, father of modern schooling. And he went uh, in 1835, he went over to Prussia. And Prussia was like a military state of Germany, essentially. It was like a monarchy state of Germany that was like very into uh, their military power. And they developed a factory schooling system, which was meant to churn out uh, judicious uh, citizens and military uh, and factory workers. And yeah, he, Horace Mann, came back uh, to America and started campaigning on the fact that uh, compulsory schooling was the only way to turn. He like This is actually a direct quote. Uh, to turn the unruly American citizens into yeah, judicious, uh, or sorry, uh, the unruly American citizens into judicious citizens. And uh, the first uh, paper from the General Education Board, which came out in 1900, which was uh, actually founded by John D. Rockefeller and the first head <laughs> of the General Education Board was uh, one of Rockefeller's uh, business advisors. So he just stepped in and was like, all of a sudden, the education board guy now. Um, But the first the first sentence in that paragraph uh, on the general education board is uh, in in our dreams, we will have limitless resources and the people will mold themselves to our perfectly or sorry, the docile people will mold themselves perfectly to our Or sorry, will be molded by our hands perfectly or something like that. Sorry, that wasn't direct, but it was like it's it's fucking crazy the the origins of the public school system now that sounds very conspiratorial and like i'll i'll take the stance of like the pro the pro for it at that time but it's like it made sense at that time 50 percent of the job market was factory workers like the the the, the people while like wanted to move to the cities to get these factory jobs the schooling needed they needed a way to daycare for the kids essentially And their idea was, okay, we are going to create a school system to be a daycare for the factory workers. And then we will teach these kids to be the next army of factory workers, essentially. And it's like, but you look at now and those jobs account for 9% of the market now. Like, so it's like, we're literally (laughs) ingraining like behavior. Like, dude, in that uh, that general education board paper, it's called the, if, if anybody wants to look it up, it's called the country school of tomorrow uh by the general education board and yeah it was the first one they ever put out and they said yeah like in it they're talking about like we're not going to raise uh up from among these rural folk um uh, mathematicians scientists uh doctors lawyers of which we already have ample supply like we are going to train these people to do perfectly what their parents did imperfectly like Those Mm. are those are all like very I'm not even like exaggerating words there. It might be like slightly paraphrasing, but it's pretty close to verbatim. And it's fucking wild. dude. Like you read this shit and you're like, what's this is nuts. Actually, this is a very good book on it. Uh, John Gatto, uh, dumbing us down. John Gatto was the uh, head of or sorry, the New York uh, State uh, Public School Teacher of the Year in 89, 90 and 91. And he essentially draws out what schooling was meant to be, which was to institute behavior. Like uh, essentially get you, and I mean it all makes perfect sense. Like create an authority figure at the front of the class that uh is dependent on telling you what you're intellectually worth, essentially. Like they decide what topics are worth talking about. They decide where in those topics you can be learned. So like you learn that like a good student waits to be told what to learn. Or like like these kind of things. And you're like, oh, like yeah, these behavioral traits are definitely being taught to us at a young age. But now in a world where, like, we're we're fast paced towards like general labor or work being non-existent, so like let's teach people how to be creative, think, solve problems. Like that's the only way that you're going to like unless you are outside of the engineering world or like like a crazy science. But like the general population, it's like, yeah, if, if you're not going to be able to problem solve and stuff in the future, like that's a big issue uh, for somebody mm-hmm. that's, you know, for when we're going to have robots and AI workforce, like even fucking, dude, lawyers are going to be at a job. I've, I, I, I've got really into the AI, the AI, like in, a, in autonomous stuff. And it's like, it's fucking crazy. It's like, yeah, they're making AI lawyers. It's like, what the fuck? Like, it, yeah. And I mean, you know what? Those people will probably like, I mean, the AI will probably do a better job depending on who's making it but uh <laughs> <laughs> but it's like we need to solve this issue so like if we're going to be teaching our kids spending essentially 13 years ingraining the, like i mean even even the style of work like when the breaks happen like your lunch breaks your your you're in between class it's like this is shift work this is exactly yes. and it's like literally modeled off of shift shift work so like let's mm, rethink of our education system from the beginning because that's where i look at it now like like university and college is like the enrollments are just plummeting so it's like okay if more people are only going to have high school educations let's make sure that's actually a good education they can use because like what the fuck do you learn in high school man like i learned shit yeah like i I mean i learned more i worked
0: oil and gas construction i learned more more problem my problem solving abilities which i'm actually pretty good at like i, I can i could that's mm-hmm. one of the things i'm like known for my <laughs> friends just like being able to like fix random shit but um and just generally but it's like you understand so me growing up and this is one thing i, I want my kids to do i've talked to my i don't have kids yet but like when we do we're in that process now it's like i learned so much in the oil field because you had a truck full of tools and shit There's stuff in the back like random parts and different stuff and you would get to a place to be like i have a problem here's a problem here that i did not know was here until i'd hold up on this, you know, this oil well or this pipeline or whatever it was. I've got to now fix this problem with what I have or else I got to drive an hour back into town and drive all the way back. So it's like, okay, well, let's, we may have to make a workaround or do this little thing here and there. Maybe, you know, like little things like one time guy, a guy put a, he he, we had cattle out there too, that weren't ours, but you would lease the oil rights and lease the property for cattle and somebody put Buffalo out there and Buffalo just walked through fences. So we had to figure out like, what are we going to do now? Because these fences are all torn down because these fucking Buffalo don't feel pain apparently. And just walk right through them. No big deal. It's like, you got to figure out a way to like, okay, how are we going to like create a system where these fucking things will not come through here again and knock all our shit down? Because if the cattle get in here, they can die, you know? So it's like, you have these little, it's like, but I learned more of that than I did in high school and maybe even through football Mm -hmm. and stuff like that. And I had some decent teachers along the way, but as an, athlete, you can just like, it's very varsity blues. You could kind of do whatever you need to do. But I do remember in college having really good professors. And one of the things, I mean, I don't know if you can pick up on this, but I really love uh, kind of dissecting narrative structures and stories. Um, And it's something I've recently gotten back into, but I loved it growing up and I really loved poetry. And my, when I favorite, my favorite college professor hands down was a professor of uh, English literature after 19 or 1776. So we went through that thousand person classroom. He didn't give 100s, but I got a 99 on my final. Like, I loved that class. And I, he would only call on people that wore hats in class, like uh, people that wore hats in class. So I would always wear a hat to class and I'd sit in like the fourth row. And I would tutor yeah. the, the all my other fraternity brothers and like the sorority girls, we're all sitting like the same row in the same area in that class with like 20 of us. And I would tutor them breaking down uh, American literature and like symbol, uh, you know, like symbol, 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 symbology and these different things, these like really different correlates and like you know a peach isn't a peach, it's this, you know, like a flower isn't a flower, it's this thing. And like two verge- roads diverging in a yellow wood, and if you really look at it, it's not about him actually taking the road less left- less less traveled. It's actually about him telling the story that he took the road less traveled because he gets to create whatever narrative he wants out of this experience, right? Like there's like all these little fun things you can play with, and I love that shit. But I had a professor that like forced us to think about it and write about it. And he was so fun and it was never a wrong answer, right? He would challenge you in these different things. And this that's huge. Dope. And I don't know how somebody could manage an auditorium of a thousand kids and like provide that kind of education. He had like a leather uh, vest or a, a denim vest that had said poetry on the back. He was a fucking nerd, but he was the, I mean, just like brilliant, <laughs> brilliant dude. And there was like a disco, few of those people disco had
1: poetry a, version of disco stew. <laughs> <laughs> exactly.
0: Dude. But it was just like, it was, there was something in that. And I think, Teachers can come in that way, whether it's through work or your family or whatever, but there's that, that kind of inspired me to like provide my kids with one, like help them solve, like let them solve problems themselves and like try and figure it out. And I guess that's something that life in American, you know, privileged world just does not provide you with. Like Mm -hmm. we don't have that as, as a culture, a lot of times, like just being able to figure something out on your own and like make something work. You know, like I just decided I'm going to put a new bumper on my forerunner and Mm -hmm. my dad uh, was, he, he, he painted cars forever and work, did body work and stuff. And I hit him up and I was like, Hey, uh, I'm a, you, you know, how are your body work skills? Cause he hasn't done that in a while. And, uh, he was like a little rusty. I haven't practiced in a while. And I was like, I'm trying to do this. And I sent him a picture and he was like, does it come with templates? And I was like, yeah, he goes, it's childproof. And I was like, all right, well, I'll, I'll FaceTime you. I'll FaceTime you if I fuck it up. And he goes, FaceTime me before you fuck it up. <laughs> <laughs> but it's like, Hey, I'm going to figure it out. You know, I'm going to buy yeah, it. I can spend $200 on tools and try and do it myself. Or I can spend $1,500 to have somebody put on something that costs $1,500. Like it's the same price as the goddamn thing to have it put on, or I can learn a bunch of new skills. And that's something that I don't think a lot of people have. Like, I didn't know how to do, I have all this camera software and monitors and this other shit. I don't have how to do any of this stuff, dude. Within, a, within the first week of learning how to record a podcast, I had to go with my former boss to L.A. and record a podcast on a Zoom H6 with Jeremy Piven and um, Jamie Foxx. I was like, I have no I'm idea what I'm fuck. doing.
1: Yeah. I was freaking and dude, out, and it wasn't even good. Bricks.
0: I mean, the podcast got recorded, but it wasn't. A, I mean, I knew the mistakes I made, but I just learned how to do it on YouTube. Yeah, I was like, dude, why are you putting me in this situation? You should hire somebody for this, dude. Like, you weren't even paying me to be here. Like, it was just one of those things. I'm like, I'll try, dude. But if it gets fucked up, like, that's not on me. Like, I'm doing my best here, you know.
1: Yeah, dude. If I've got Jeremy Piven and Jamie Foxx in a room, I'm gonna put 500 bucks into hiring somebody that can. Yeah, <laughs> that's so exactly wild to like rent a like-
0: studio or yeah. something. I don't know. We were like in yeah. a in a restaurant that was closed down. It was weird. It was cool. It was a really cool experience, but it was strange. But I think that's one thing that that uh, American culture lacks is a lot of that mm-hmm. like problem solving ability. And it's like beating yeah, yourself in those situations where like, Hey, I got to figure it out. I have just got to figure it out.
1: So grateful for the fact that I like kind of grew up in. So my dad, do you know Kubota tractors?
0: I've heard of them. Yeah.
1: Okay. So they're, they're the number, they're the next competitor to John Deere and like they're, they're taking, like they're, they're being, they're actually like right there with John Deere I think now. Yeah. The Kubota, but, Kubota uh, is
0: like the are orange and blue. Yeah. Or just orange.
1: Yeah. From, uh, from Japan. So actually, my uh, grandfather was the first person to sell Kubota outside of Japan. He was the first person to take on an international contract with. Uh, so now my dad owns that company. And actually, my brother just bought into it as well. And uh, I'm so glad to have like grown up. I didn't take a liking, per se, to all of that stuff. But I'm glad to have grown up around it. Like Even when I was uh, somewhere around the age of 10, like my dad started pushing me towards it wasn't even like a serious talk or anything. It wasn't like life lectures. I, I look back at, I look back at my, like, I, I want to have conversations with my dad about it now. Cause like, we've never really even talked about it, but there's like, when my first business was a uh, car wash business, he would let me use a, the pressure washer from his uh, shop. And it was like, yeah, try to get neighborhood cars or like tractors or anything. And I'd put up these posters and dude, I didn't realize, I didn't realize it. I only ever had like five customers. I didn't realize it till afterwards. They were all my dad. Like my dad would be like, oh, yeah, somebody dropped something off at the shop here for you today. But like he was like (laughs) pushing me to do those things and being like, oh, you're not getting any customers. You need to like spread out your flyer zone. You need to like go put a flyer. Yeah. What what's the flyer on that side street going to do for you? You got to put that that flyer downtown. Like like and I was like, oh, okay, yeah, like more people. Like and then like 10 year old me is like, okay downtown flyers. And then my dad would call me and be like, oh, somebody just dropped something off for you. And I'm like, oh, fucking sick. That flyer worked. And like so like you get these you get these letters lessons but like i still to this day i haven't told him that i've realized that i don't even know if he'd remember that actually but and it's like yeah all of those things and like he taught me how to like dude whenever i was uh yeah maybe like 13 14 he got me to set up a deal with a local farmer who had a uh, cornfield and i would essentially do like business deals with him i'd pay him like 50 uh we would do like 50 50 i'd go up into his uh into his field pick corn i'd set up a corn stand at the bottom of my street like it's like sell like corn by the corn on the cob by the dozen and all this shit like make a deal with the make a deal with the farmer and all this and i was like these are the things that like i have realized looking at now where i can operate in the business world without any uh business degrees or anything like that where i can have conversations with business business owners about literally their numbers and in, in like like back end bottom line numbers and help make sense of it with them and like I wouldn't have been able to do any of that from my high school education like no that that was all learned by like hands on practical shit and that's where like I I do worry about the the future where I'm like yeah if we're gonna talk about an education system that needs fixing it's like definitely that it's definitely the primary school because I'm like it's teaching kids nothing and like yeah if I didn't, if I, if I wasn't my dad and I, and like, I, I know I, I told you that I went to school for, uh, audio engineering and music production on another time, uh, earlier, but, uh, it was like that w- was something I just did kind of like online. I took like a few courses. It was just like a certificate kind of courses through Berkeley, uh, in, in, uh, Massachusetts, but, uh, it's like those aren't serving me anything right now. Like I, like in the music world, they make sense. They helped me, but it's like those, it's like everything I learned was like from practical means growing up, like hands-on work. And it's just like, yeah, I don't know that, that I'm like forever grateful that I grew up in that kind of, that kind of environment, kind of same thing, same thing as you, like what you're saying, like the problem solving abilities of all that.
0: Yeah. And I think that's the thing too. I mean, just looking at that, right. If we draw a correlate as we kind of wrap up here, like, it's like there's so much of this like somebody needs to fix it for me mentality. Whereas like your dad was responsible for those cars being dropped off, right? Mm-hmm. But you had you, you still worked for him. You know what I mean? It's yeah. like he was he was like he was giving you it was like he was giving you a little bit of an incentive to keep going, even though like I really don't want a ten year old washing my car. You know what I mean? Yeah, <laughs> like, a little spray down a tractor. But it's like I, you know it's like I might do it as long as they don't break anything. But it's like you know you just it's not you're not gonna make any money doing that. But it's like you got the you got the incentive, right? It was like I did that. We was. You had it was, it was do it being done like with you and for you, but not not you were involved and you were you were like working for that reward. You know what I mean? And same thing with like I was scared, given,
1: like, I was being given things, but I didn't know. Like you know what exactly. I mean? Like I was, I, I thought I was working for things that I was being given, and that's kind of where it was. I mean, I guess I was putting in the time, I was putting in the effort, but it wasn't like real real uh, results. But like yeah, no, exactly what you're saying. Like yeah, I don't know, man. That that stuff is. I, I'm really scared that that's going to be lost on future generations to come.
0: Yeah. And I think that's one of the biggest things with looking at what we're doing now. It's like, I think what everybody really want, not everybody, but what most people really want is like, people need to be able to have an opportunity, man. Like not everybody mm-hmm. got an opportunity to have a, a parent that would do that. or Like my granddad exactly. raised me, like being able to take me to work and stuff. And you know, from opening gates as a six-year-old, five-year-old kid to like shifting gears in the truck. And I got to do that stuff. Not everybody has that. And, and not everybody's parents had that much time to spin around, like, which my granddad didn't either, but we've, we've solved that problem by me going to work with him, you know, mm-hmm. and like, just, just seeing what it was like. And and then as I got older, I got to start doing stuff on my own. And that was a big process for me, but it's not everybody has that. And I think what we really, as a culture and in Western culture, especially is like, there are unintended consequences of trying to give everybody equal results. But I think if we kind of shift the narrative to like, and this is such a, such a cliche at this point, but like everybody should have an opportunity, right? Like, and that's mm-hmm. the thing. Opportunities aren't created equal. I got more opportunities than somebody else based on falling out of the right person and being in the right circumstances, you know? And I could sit here and like create the narrative in my head that, yeah, my parents were drug addicts and all this other stuff. And I was an obese kid and I got bullied. And this other, but I could be like, yeah, well, I, you know, I had people that were there for me and financially, everything turned out to be okay because of socioeconomic shit and global politics and oil being really expensive. And my granddad has happened to be in that world and things, you know, things worked out and I got to go to college and have that paid for. And I got to meet people and because of X, Y, and Z, I was pretty charismatic and outspoken and extroverted. And that all helped. It's like, I don't think I was like responsible for a, a lot of that, but there's a few things in there that kind of gave me the tools to be responsible for myself later on, you know, and like be able to look at things in a different, through a different lens. And that's, you know, that's something I'm super grateful for, but I wish more people had that. And I know that that's just not the case and that's just never going to be the reality. But if we start, like you said, in, in, in primary schools and elementary schools and high schools, like giving people financial literacy, which I think is, is, has a, has an inverse incentive for the college world, which is also dependent on the high school world, right? That like that would, it's almost like the college lobby would get in the way of teaching keeping mm-hmm. what interest on a sixty thousand dollar loan looks like over thirty years, you know, like how much, yeah. like how much that actually is. Like, that, what if somebody explained that to you in 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 a personal finance class in high school? Like that would change fundamentally change the way you look at things. And growing up with parents who made money and became wealthy, um, or grandparents rather that grew up poor, you understand it doesn't matter how much money you end up with it's, if you know what to do with it, right? Mm-hmm. Like I could it, given it, given me the half of the amount of money they had at, at a certain time and the same amount of time. I would have 10 times more money than more than what they have now, or my grandfather Mm -hmm. has now, because he grew up with absolutely nothing. And all his only focus was, I need to give my family a better life than I had. That's it. At any cost did not matter what it was. And that led to some bad decisions and trying to fix things for people. And I learned from that because my aunts were older than me and I got to see that process. I got to get to, I was pretty observant as a kid, but you know, there's a, a lot of, a lot of gifts that I really got that a lot of people didn't get. And I think that, Man, I think it's just society as a generally just want people to have a fucking chance. You know, mm-hmm. if you decide you want to fucking live in a van or live in a studio apartment for your whole life and play video games and work minimally, like that's cool too. You have an opportunity. I think people should have an opportunity to do that. It doesn't bother me at all. But I think if you want, you know, upward mobility, that's just it's it's something that it just exists less and less, man. It, it it's it's a fucking unfortunate reality that we live in, and, and liberals want to overinflate it, and conservatives don't want to acknowledge it exists, and that's why we end up in this fucking weird middle ground where like. I feel like I'm acknowledging reality, (laughs) but maybe I'm just self-righteous. I don't know.
1: Yeah. uh, That's my biggest worry, dude, is just like falling into that self-righteous camp and just just getting into my own, own head about it all. And like that, like something that I'm trying to be like super careful about. But yeah, like, no, exactly what you're saying where I think it's the, to me, it's either the over embellishing or the lack of acknowledging what you were what you were saying there and that's actually kind of why i got into this commentary thing because like i didn't plan on it i didn't think i was ever going to do this sort of thing i mean i was a musician but it was that there was a i made a video about the second time we went into lockdowns i made a video about mental health during lockdowns i didn't get into any of the covid science i still haven't even got into really the covid science stuff i don't talk about it but i just talk about the the logical fallacies with it all but like that's what I noticed is missing in the world right now is it's like I had when I made that first video, I had like people on the left that I've seen like from taking videos from their apartments, like shaming the freedom protesters and this kind of stuff. And then I've and then I had messages from the people in those protests. Both of them were like messaging me being like, you nailed this, you hit it on the head. And I'm like, oh, see, this is what it is. You guys just don't know how to fucking talk to one another. Like, it. it's not that you Preach, guys, it, it's not that it's not that we're in this crazy world where you guys can't both have what you want it's you guys don't know literally it's it's like a kid crying and every the adults in the room are left trying to figure out what it wants and it's like now Mm -hmm. and you've got these two kids that just won't shut up and tell you what they want and it's like hey use your words you've got words you can (laughs) use them in 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 a good way you don't have to sit here and fucking cry like Yeah, I don't know. But it bothers me. But that's why I kept that's why I kept on with it was once all those messages from both sides flooded in. I was
0: like,
1: okay, I I see something here. Like, it's kind of like, all right, let me see if I can kind of draw the lines between the two. But
0: it's been fun. Well, you're doing good, man. I mean, that's the thing is like, you're even you're, you know, I like think you're mostly on Instagram. It's like, it does, it, it resonates. And I know it's like that first, like, it, just to talk about, I know audiences don't matter, but they also do. Um, and I'm sure you've seen some growth, but it, 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 it's funny how it like, how it happens at the increasing rate. And I mean, I worked for like Instagram stuff back when I was doing personal development shit. I I've tripled my audience since then, like legitimately in a year and a half. And it was just, and that was like, it was because like this stuff. This is actually where I was supposed to be. Like, I'm a bullshit caller. Like that's what I do. I called bullshit on personal development. My personal development style, whenever I was coaching people, wasn't like you know manifestation and fucking fairy tales bullshit. It was like practical to the to the point. Like people that came to me were like, it's like, hey, I want to make a huge change in my life. Like I want to quit my job. Or I had, to, I worked with somebody for over a year because he wanted to divorce his wife in the most like loving way possible and like be the best for his kids and get himself like emotionally ready for that toil that that was gonna. T- he knew his wife was gonna be fucking. Livid and like go after him. And she was that kind of person. And they had five kids and they've been married for 20 something years. And it was like a whole thing. I married super young. And it's like, that's the kind of people I worked with. And a lot of times it was because I would call bullshit on a lot of the personal development stuff that I thought was, you know, spiritual bypassing or just egocentric or just bullshit in general. And so all that kind of tra- translated so much easier into politics. And I say like, one of the things that's funny about the difference in politics and personal development is that politics as dark as it is, isn't as dark as a personal development world. It's still people taking, it's still people taking advantage of people that like think that they're victims and trying to juice them for everything they're worth. And it's super fucked up and crazy. And there's some great people in it. Don't get me wrong. I have some friends and if anybody ever wants to like get into that kind of stuff, I can get into it. But, um, but some of it, man, it's just, it's weird. It's crazy. And it's like you see these same correlations no matter what it is. When there's some kind of charismatic leader who does a thing, it just it just all goes to shit so fast. But it's, I mean, it's good to have you out here, man. And it's been fun to like the the people I've met through like you and Will and, and uh Mirodum and these other guys that <laughs> we've all got this little crew here of sharing each other's stuff around and it's 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 fun to see what other people think about things and we can like shoot the shit. And and even though we're all like a little bit different in the way we do it, I think it also just kind of makes it better in this our little our little social media ecosystem.
1: Yeah, dude, it's been fun. Dude, I like and again, like that's such a big point about it too, It's just like dude, even I met my girl like like you, I met my girlfriend doing this. Like. I mean, we we knew each other from like years back. We hadn't just we just hadn't talked in like in like three years. And like just through this stuff, we just started like chatting about the world and saw that we like saw eye to eye on like literally like the roots of reality, like the very like deep philosophical talks we've got into and stuff. And it's like, yeah, if I I wasn't doing this, like her and I wouldn't be talking right now. And it's like if, if I didn't do this, it was like you and I wouldn't be talking like i wouldn't be yeah will all of these people so it's like it's it's fucking it's real cool to essentially like yeah build that build that community sense and that's where like i thought i was going to polarize myself and like essentially put myself into a into a, uh, loner box, but, uh, it's, it's only been building. So thanks, man. No, I really appreciate appreciate you on that. Well, on. Hey man,
0: everybody go follow Liam, Liam out loud on Instagram. Anywhere else people can find you?
1: Uh, yeah, I'm on Instagram. I'm on YouTube as well. I actually used to do like long forum rants. I mean, right now I'm just kind of like crushing out like minute re- like, roasts <laughs> and stuff. Like it's literally more, it's just, like <laughs> half, half comedic, half political. Like it's like, I can't even say it's that political. Uh, <laughs> but it it's just, it is very less. fun though. Oh, thank you, man. Um, But yeah, no, I, I want to get into it in the future. But I, I've got a lot of long videos on uh, Instagram, like in that five to fifteen minute range, where like I really dove into topics and like could actually break them down and give my opinions on them. So if anybody wants to watch those, there, they're probably a little bit more uh, intellectually satisfying, uh, more mature than uh, than 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 reels. There's definitely still a lot of immaturity in there, but. Uh, no, yeah. yeah thanks, I mean, you man. got,
0: you got to have a, a healthy amount of irreverence in anything you do. That's my experience anyways, but I'm not Jordan <laughs> Peterson. So <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> all right, brother, thank you so much for doing this. Give me so much time. Hey, my goal, I think, um, as this is the first interview of thought criminals, cause we got this whole new thing going. I don't know if you'll be the first one that drops, but you're, uh, you're in there in the first few we wanted, I think two hours is a good, is the good time. I think two yeah. hours gives you enough time to air it out. What do you thought? What yeah, are your dude, thoughts?
1: Yeah, I didn't, uh, Dude, I didn't even realize it's been two hours. That's cool, but uh, yeah, man. I mean, even as a listener, too. Like, this is this is the thing: is like people will say, like, okay, get the thirty minute podcast or the t- you know two hour podcast or three hour podcast or one. What like what is it? And it's like, this is what I noticed with say, for instance, for YouTube analytics, past the five minute mark, everything is the same. Like, it, like if you can grab somebody's attention, <laughs> like you know what I mean. Like, so like you, you're losing everybody's attention in the first five minutes. If they stay after that, they stay. Like, so yeah. it's like, to me, whether something's an hour or two hours, like if it's a good convert if, if somebody's listened to something for an hour, they'll listen to it for two. It's so like actually crazy stat, like most, uh, listeners decide whether they're going to, uh, hit, hit next to a song within seven seconds on Spotify as the yep. average. So it's like, it's like you that. have like, it's like, yeah, you have this like little finite space and it's like, it's a little bit longer with like conversational podcast stuff, but it's like, it's, it's once you get over that hump so like two hours, I think, I think is great. Cause I mean, as a listener, um, I, I don't like 30 minute podcasts. I feel like you like people have to rush through every topic. You hardly get to know the person, all that kind of stuff. So,
0: and we went all um, over, we went all over, all over the map. So, uh, for all of these, all of those you see, I can't talk now. I cut off at two hours. My brain stops <laughs> <laughs> for all of you out there that, uh, listened to the whole thing, man. Appreciate you. We'll see you all next time.